Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Terran Show. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is a shaving company that will send you razors right to your home. And they, they did that for me. They sent me some razors. I've talked about this before, but man... I I'm I'm addicted. I, I keep I keep using them. I, I I'm legitimately I like these razors have changed my life. I feel like my my facial hair looks so much better now. Uh, I'm able to to shave it nicely. It's smooth. It's nice. It's clean. Something else. I am like very difficult to buy gifts for. <laughs> I like really am uh, mostly because I spend like so much effort into like researching everything I buy that it's just like nobody else could do that for me. So like nobody knows what to get me that like I haven't just like told them what to get. And Harry's Harry's it's a company. They managed to do it for me. Not only have they been generous enough to sponsor my podcast, but they gave me these razors and I, I didn't even know I wanted them. I didn't even know I needed them. I didn't even know what kind of lackluster. I just thought shaving was the worst. I thought, yeah, it hurts. It's like uh, it feels it feels gross. Uh, I don't like it. And then they send me the stuff, and is my my entire perspective has changed. So you already know Harry's makes amazing quality products at a super reasonable price. So now that it is holiday season, and if you know any guy like me or or anything like that, you know somebody that is difficult to give gifts for. I'm telling you, this is this is great because nobody nobody thinks about like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need like a specific kind of razor. Nobody's going to think about it, but they're going to get this gift. It's going to come in that cool box. They're going to open it up and they're going to be like, oh, my God, I never would have thought of getting a razor. But this is awesome. And it's it's great. You can also personalize it. Uh, you can choose a, the, a color. Um, they have limited edition holiday colors. Uh, you can get custom gift sets. Uh, even, even if they already use Harry's, they can get this custom gift set. Uh, you can even get a personal engraving. Uh, it, it's, it's ridiculous. This holiday, uh, Harry's is offering these custom and limited edition shaving sets to make the perfect gifts. These gifts, they were built with your guy in mind. You know he'll love them. Uh, they, they come with these German engineered five blade cartridges, provide a close, comfortable shave. The foaming gel smells amazing. Limited edition winter chrome and emerald green handles. Those are like really fancy color names. I gotta say. And you can personalize it with the engraving. No matter what you're looking for, Harry's has got you covered. These sets come ready to gift in beautifully designed gift boxes. They start at just $10. They have some great stocking stuffers. You can even get something for yourself with Harry's. I'm not going to tell on you. As a special offer for fans, my podcast, I've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you go to harrys.com slash Taryn. This offer is only available for the holiday. So I know there were some people that were asking like, Hey, I don't. I want the free trial. I already, uh, you know, I already use this, or my uh, my partner already uses this. Can I uh, support your show by buying something? Yes, you can do that. You can buy the gift set uh, at Harrys.com/Taren, and you'll get five dollars off. So thank you, uh, thank you, seriously, thank you for everyone that's uh, that's helping out and supporting uh, the show through this. It's it's really really uh, touched my heart, uh, and and it's really helpful. If you've listened to a lot of the episodes of this podcast, you know that I really have sort of taken a leap into this podcasting world, and uh, I I no longer have a full time job. Uh, this really is the thing that I am really going for, you know, all of these podcasts where we talk about trying to achieve your dreams. This is me trying to achieve mine and uh, and all of you listeners that have been helping me achieve that and continue to do so and continue to, to you know, allow me to be on this path. I, I'm so, so, so very grateful. Uh, and 
I just, just thank you so much. Um, so anyway, uh, this holiday, give Harry's and give handsome, get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping to get your limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last go to harrys.com slash Taryn right now. That's harrys.com slash Taryn. And that's that's all that's all I got for you. So without further ado, I will introduce my next guest. I'm so excited to have this gone. When I submitted my video application to be on Rob Has a Podcast, I parodied the Big Brother Canada 3 pregame interviews. And the one I like took the most from was Kevin Martin. This guy, Kevin Martin, I took his pregame interview and I copied it. I parodied it. I even did the cards that he did at the end because he's a poker player. And then I spilled them everywhere. It was a great thing. Uh, without this guy, who knows if I would have gotten onto the podcast? Who knows? So I really hope you guys enjoy this interview. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, so let's cue the music and get this thing going. He's not human. He is like a machine. Making more podcasts than you've ever seen. He was never programmed for a life because the show is the extent of his social life. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Taryn Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Taryn Show. I uh, I've got a great guest for you today. It's it's really really great. I, I hung out with this guy in Reno, uh, so I can verify that uh, he is in fact pretty cool. He, do, he doesn't just seem that way on TV, but then when you meet him, he's like a jerk. Uh, that happens a lot, but not with this guy. Not with Kevin Martin. How you doing, Kevin? Dude, life is life is good, man. Yeah, yeah. I met you for the first time in Reno. I mean, I've fallen asleep so many times with your voice on my phone <laughs> for years and years and years. It was weird. It was like, hey, it's nice to meet you. Have the, have we done this before? Oh, I guess we actually have never shook hands before. I've, so, yeah. I've whispered sweet nothings into your ear as you yeah. drift off. Yeah, Reno was awesome. Hanging with all the Survivor people and all the RHAP people and all the poker people is like my favorite passions in life: reality television and poker in one beautiful, amazing thing. So it was like amazing. I had a great time, but yeah, life's good, man. I mean, this year has been pretty wild. eh? It's been pretty crazy. 2017 hasn't been a little, you know, wake up and watch Netflix year for me. So yeah, and finally your, your show's doing awesome and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yes. So for anyone that, uh, that has not watched big brother Canada, uh, Kevin Martin was originally on season three of big brother Canada. He played with, uh, our good friend, Jordan Parhar, who you may yes. or may not know. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did all right, you know, made it like about no, like what halfway or so. About? Uh, no, this is all right. In big brother, you win <laughs> or you get some second brace prize money and everyone else is a loser. There's no, there's no money for anyone else. I mean, I'm, I'm a very much winner or, or good try kind of person, but thank yeah. you for the kind words. I, I get that. Um, so, uh, he ended up coming back for a, uh, sort of fans versus favorites format, um, where he ended up doing basically what I think a lot of people thought was impossible in big brother. He basically won out from what was it? Final eight to all the way down to the end. Yeah, yeah. My big brother journey is really, really weird. In one aspect of the game, I wasn't very good because I was the main target. But in the other aspect of the game, I was so good at mental competitions, <laughs> it didn't matter. It was a really interesting arc. And whether you think that's like, you know, it's it's it was a, quite a journey. Final eight, I believe. Yeah, I had immunity every single week from the final eight because I won a competition. And that is thing that i don't think has ever happened before yeah i i'm i'm reasonably certain it is not um at least not in the u.s uh slash canada versions uh it, which is interesting because i think 
you know, I've always been somebody that said competitions don't matter. And I think for a long time, that was sort of like, a, oh, that's only the super fans care about that. But then, I, especially with Big Brother Canada, I feel like uh, Peter himself kind of coined the whole, like, if you have to win a competition to stay alive, you've already done something wrong. And that sort of, I think that was sort of a moment where, you know, perception started to turn against competition beasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've always been like, can't rely on competitions, can't rely on competitions, because you can't win out from Final Eight. That doesn't happen in Big Brother. And then, you know, four seasons later in Canada again, you sort of uh, dispel that notion, at least in the Canadian version. So uh, very happy to be talking to Kevin. Um, He mentioned uh, that poker is one of his favorite things. Not only is he a Big Brother Canada winner, but he also streams poker on Twitch. That's your uh, your main gig now. For sure. Absolutely. Almost every night. We're on a nice little streak here. I go live to the internet. I play my tables. I show my face. I show the tables. I... Last night, I lost 900 US dollars. That wasn't fun, right? So every I can win lots of money. I can lose lots of money. Hopefully, as a skilled professional player, I'm winning more often than I'm losing. But it's a fun journey. It's a fun place. Even if you've never watched poker before, I think we have a really good time in my channel. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really, really cool gig. I mean, I got to work. I just woke up like 20 minutes ago, and now I'm right in my office. So I'm, I'm very blessed, man. Life has been so good. Yeah, well, how'd you, how'd you get into poker anyway? Like, uh, so yeah, I, it's a strange profession. I used to be a radio uh, DJ. So so I went to post-secondary for a media degree in television and media. I picked up some broadcasting skills. And then I was a radio announcer at a rock station in Lethbridge, Alberta, Rock 106, and uh, which is funny because I know nothing about rock music. And I just moved to this new city. I had a girlfriend, but I really didn't know very many people, and I had a lot of downtime. I'm like, let's pick up a hobby. Let's find something that I can really dive into. And how my brain works is when I get invested in something, I usually give it 100%. You know, when I find something I'm passionate about it, I'm like, okay, how can I be the best I've always been very, very competitive. I started playing poker, never planning to ever play for money. I was just playing for uh, fake chips on the internet. There was like the Facebook poker, you play Zynga or whatever. I really, really got into it. And, you know, I read a strategy book about, you know, the flop and then the turn and then the river. And then I learned other concepts like pot odds, like bluffing and what to do with these. And I really, really got invested. And again, never really planned to play for money. And then one day I went to the casino and I had $200, which, by the way, for a radio announcer is a ton of money. Like radio people, when you're first level radio person, you're not making a ton. And I decided to play some poker. So I put $200 chips, I put 200 uh, chips on the table and my full plan was to lose. I'm like, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I just play for play money and I played a few hands and quickly realized that no one at the table had any concept of strategy. I mean, even from my brief moment of reading strategy online, I was a better player than these people playing for real money. The first night I won maybe $30, like I basically broke even, but I was hooked on the idea that I could keep getting better and play the game for money. And sure enough, went more and often, went more often. Very, very, like, very, very careful, though. I would write down, tonight I bought in for $300. I left with $245. So I lost $60 in five hours, and I graphed my results, and I figured out my hourly rate. And sure enough, within a couple months, I was making $15 an hour playing cards part-time. And I was just so obsessed with the idea that, oh, my God, this is incredible. And sure enough, I got better. It's like, oh, my God, I'm making $20 an hour playing No Limit Hold'em. And I was just so obsessed with it. I had my radio job. I'd be doing my radio job, but I'd be reading strategy on the side and like going over hands from the previous night. And I, finally, I was like, I have to do this full time. So I went and uh, quit my job with, uh, I, I didn't have very much money. It was very dangerous. I could have gone broke. I should have had more money. It's like, we call it a bankroll, your supply of money when you play poker. But uh, it worked out for me, man. And I, I've been playing full time for a couple of years. And then I started my Twitch stream two years ago. So it's been a fun journey. But that's that's the way I am. When I kind of get an idea in my head or, 
even a concept, I like to push the boundaries and say, you know, what is possible? I remember phoning my mom say, hey, mom, you know how I just went to school for two years to be, you know, a media personality? No, 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 we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, no, that's over. We're going to play cards for a living. She's like, Kevin, I love you, but you can crash on my couch when you're broke sometime. And thankfully, we've never gone broke. Yeah, oh, I, I very much relate to that idea of like... uh when you discover something you or not necessarily just when you discover it, but when you find something that you enjoy that you just want to like be the the best at it, you want to like, yeah. you know, like dive in, like, uh, I, like, I'm very much like, like, I, I want to complete everything. <clears throat> I want to like, uh, master every skill that I like. Uh, what, what do you think is the driving motivation behind that with you? I had two really competitive brothers growing up. Um, I have a really cool family, um, three siblings, family of four. And my two brothers, John and David, were always very, very competitive. My my brothers were um, valedictorians. I was the first non-valedictorian in my family. My two oldest brothers, both top of their class valedictorians. I was a smart kid. I was up there, but I was kind of lazy and like, you know, being a social clown or whatever. So, uh, yeah, my two brothers, very, very competitive. I mean, just best grades possible, scholarships out the wazoo, my family was a very academic family. My parents were very strict. They expected the best of us. And it kind of got ingrained in my head that I like I liked making my, my my family proud and, you know, competing. And I was really into sports. And I just love competition, man. And that's one of the reasons I was so uh, invested in Survivor when I started watching. That was my introduction to reality TV. I will, my, the first season of Survivor my family watched was a season 10, Palau. And uh, I was hooked on the idea of Survivor. And I remember I was 13 or something, but I went online and I wanted to apply to the show. And I had no concept of that. I was an underage minor. So I go to CBS.com. You know, at the end of this Survivor finale, Jeff is like, if you think you can play this game, go to CBS and apply right now. And 13-year-old Kevin was like, hell yeah, I can play this game. So I went online. First of all, crushed that I had to wait five years to apply and crushed that, you know, I was still a minor. So. Yeah, so that was my first introduction. I actually planned, I wanted to move to America and get a dual citizenship to apply to be on Survivor. That's how much I wanted to compete in one of these shows. But thankfully, Big Brother Canada came to uh, Canada when I was 19, and that was my shot. What What was it about the show that like not only drew you, but made you think, like, I need to be on this, I need to compete in this? Yeah, the, the competition was just so savage. I mean, you could tell that... Um, especially more in the early days of Survivor, those people were really struggling. They were really starving. Obviously, it's not an easy feat now, but I think the survival was way more a center of the show back then. And also being the one last standing. Um, yeah, I, so the first season I watched, and when they're like, Tom, you are the sole survivor, and they read the votes, and Tom Westman had a sweep because he, he totally dominated season season 10 of Survivor. It was just like, oh, my God, I have to compete in this. This is just, this is just an incredible premise. And then the attention of being on a show and, like, you know, having an audience and playing in front of an audience. It was just all so compelling to me. So, I mean, you mentioned being sort of a class clown kind of figure. Also, uh, have you always sort of had this need for or drive for attention? Yeah, the, the, the drive funny has left very quickly in like my, my 20s. But um, from like birth until 21, I, I was just a total attention needy. Like I just thrived on it, try to make people laugh, very cringy at moments or whatever. I mean, I think all reality television people who get cast have a little, little, little tiny little bit of that of like, you know, we like the camera and of course. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, my value for privacy was never anything. And that's why on season three of Big Brother Canada, I was really out there and really crazy. My need for privacy has definitely become a bigger thing in my life. And I can, a time away from a camera, 
and time to, you know, focus on relationships and family. That never really meant a lot to me, but that is the value of that has gone up a lot in my life very, very recently. Do you, uh, cause a lot of people have mentioned that, uh, like Ian in particular was the first one that said like, you know, I'm, I'm really an introvert that wants to be an extrovert. Yeah. Do you relate to that in a way? Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of moments of that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very much so. There's moments where, you know, I can just chill by myself and be by myself for days at a time and moments where I just need to be with people and it switches very, 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 very quickly. But I, I would probably lean a little more towards an introvert, actually. Yeah. Just a, I mean, there's so much being an introvert is so cool. At the same time, we have the Internet, we have Google. <laughs> we can literally do you can when you're by yourself with a computer. I mean, you can research any topic in the world and learn whatever you want at any moment. And the access to information is just is just wild, I think. I mean, this is the 2017 is the time to be an introvert. The world's at our fingertips. Oh, yeah. I, th I think the culture is going to turn. I feel like uh, especially, you know, like what, 50 years ago more that like being an introvert was like, what? You're not even doing anything in the world. But yeah, nowadays, exactly. it's like uh, the introverts are the ones that like get everything done. Uh, I feel like 50 years from now, it's all it's going to be all about the introverts. People are like human connection. What is that? Who cares? Because because who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. So like with my Twitch stream, I broadcast poker to hundreds, thousands of people every night. And, uh, you know, I've developed relationships with screen names almost. I know, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, Andy C93 is a farmer from Alabama who likes to watch my poker show. I have no clue what Andy looks like. I know that he tunes into my stream maybe a couple times a week. And I know tons of people from Australia by their, their screen names. And people argue, they're like, that's not human interaction. You don't talk to them. You don't, you know, shake their hand. You don't know them. In a sense, it is, though. There is a relationship developing. So, yeah, it's crazy. When you think about it. We are the second or we're the first real generation that has dived into the Internet. This is something that has never happened in human history before. And, you know, there's a lot of good to that. I think there's a lot of bad to that as well. But we're just like the guinea pigs for the Internet. And, um, man, I'm, I listen to a lot of podcasts in my free time, like the Joe Rogan podcast and stuff. And just hearing about how cra crazy the, the world is and stuff, it's, uh, you know, this is my this is my new little I like I like learning about this stuff. Technology drives me crazy. It's so fascinating. Yeah, my my favorite part of the Joe Rogan podcast because like if he talks about fighting and stuff. I don't I don't care, but it's too boring for me. Yeah. He talks about drugs. That's boring for me too. But I love when he talks about like his view of like the future. Uh, like yes. no, no, guys, like fifty years from now or like a hundred years from now, we're all going to be in computers anyway. Like uh, everything's going to be great. Yeah. I love Joe Rogan's view of the future. I mean, think think about we. Let's go back in time a couple hundred years. And try to explain Big Brother to somebody. Mm -hmm. you no, know, just put cameras. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to put a bunch of people in a house. And we have these magic devices that can spy on them for us. These people are then going to play. Like, first of all, the idea of cameras is just like, if you go back 300 years, it's just it's so foreign. It's like, what is that? It's just literally magic. The, the fact that I am talking to you <laughs> from my home in Canada right now, and we were podcasting to thousands of people who will have access to this immediately or in the matter of hours. It's just, dude, it's, it's literally a miracle. And, and it's, it's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned like we're sort of the first generation to be on the Internet. I think it it speaks to how enticing uh, the Internet is that there's not even more backlash in in the culture, because I feel like something this dramatically different, like uh, like, again, like a uh, hundred years ago or 200 years ago, it would have been like uh, witchcraft. And, yeah. you know, like you're using the Internet, you need to be burned at the stake. Uh, that's like the the amount of fear that we have uh, of change in our culture. Yeah. But 
the, for like uh the most amount of backlash the internet gets is like uh think pieces like written on blogs like you of know course, like, yeah. uh, and mean, i guess there's some policies you're not on the internet tell someone that you're not on instagram these days tell someone you're on snapchat it's so foreign you know go sit at a star- starbucks right now and look around and count what percentage of people are actually just sitting there it's not everyone's on their on their smartphone i mean i'm addicted to it too i got yeah. my new iphone 8 here and i'm just like i can't it's my like it's my lover i just it's unbelievable <laughs> so much shit on it that keeps my little ADD brain entertained yeah I mean, people will be like on their phones writing a criticism of phones like everybody's in their phone as i'm writing this on my like you, yeah. you can't avoid it uh, and you know, I think that's what, what instills some fear in people, but I think it's also uh telling of just like how, how well it's made for us as a, as, as a species. Um, it, it and, really is uh, incredible. yeah, I think, I think we're headed in a, a positive direction. I love it, man. People are, people are scared of it and stuff. I, I just think, uh, yeah, I think it's a very fun generation to be in. So watching game of Thrones with Peely last night. Wow, can you imagine being alive back then and having to <laughs> go out and, you know, skin your sheep and cook your meat and like life is tough, man. We're we're in a moment where life is easy. The fact that we have plumbing, you know, running water to our house, electricity, we are really in the first world country. We are the one percent and it's it's very, very uh life is very soft for us. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> tough for a lot of people out there. And and even something like uh like this podcast is like I I'm able to connect on a like relatively deep level to like every single time a guest comes on the show and then everybody who listens is able to connect with that as well and that's just like I don't think that's worse than than any other kind of connection. I think it's just different. And I think it's in many ways very cool because you share a very communal experience. And, um, you know, you get to experience so many different points of view and so many different kinds of people that you never, ever would have experienced before. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still a very tribal species, unfortunately. But, you know, maybe someday the Internet can help uh, alleviate that a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Might be making it worse uh, with all the clickbait. <laughs> And enraging titles. Um, so, uh, so tell me about like uh, like growing up in in Canada. You you grew up in Canada, right? Yeah, born and raised can- uh, Canadian. Canada's the greatest country, man. We have it so good here. I I love Canada. I grew up in the province of Alberta. Small conservative family. Uh, very religious, man. I was very 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 religious. Like I said before, when I get an idea and I go for something, <laughs> I am you know front line. If I you know I'm very very front line. And I was a very heavy into religion until, man, it's so crazy. Only five or six years ago until in my late 18s when I moved away from home and, you know, started listening to things like podcasts. When you're a child and and, and your heroes are your parents and they tell you, like, you know, they tr- tell you uh, beliefs as facts, you believe them. Men, depending your parents are superheroes, right? Nothing they can ever say is wrong. And then so when you finally get out in your late teens, 1920, and listen to podcasts and I, you know, read a book about atheism and um, it's like, oh, my God, there's actually other people that think differently than me. And maybe they actually have some good arguments and stuff. And I was really opened up <clears throat> to, to, to the world. And yeah, so that was uh, an interesting upbringing for sure. But it definitely made me who I was. Yeah, well, uh, tell me, tell me more about that because uh, I, I sort of had, I, I wouldn't say a similar experience. I, I grew up not knowing that there were people who didn't believe in God or, or like, ha- like have any religious belief. Um, and I remember as a child, like being terrified of that because I couldn't grasp, I couldn't like wrap my head around it, and I was scared that like, oh my God, I'm, I'm gonna go to hell because like I don't get this. Yeah. Uh, and that was like my childhood I, for a long I didn't time. Know that, was, that was your background. Very similar. Yeah, hell was um. 
Hell is terrifying to a child. The idea that if you misbehave and don't follow God, that you're going to go to this place of not only it's a bad place, but you're going to be there for eternity, you know? To tell a child that your short lifetime on this earth will de- de- determine your everlasting existence in heaven, which sounds sweet, or hell, which is obviously the other scale of that. It's terrifying, man. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure. So yeah, when I was 16, 17, I didn't have like podcasts or music on my phone. I, I listened to sermons. I, I, I read my Bible every day. I was I was very obsessive. I would set my timer I would, for half an hour and then I would read my Bible until my timer went off just to make sure I got enough Bible every day prayers, everything. I was very, very dedicated. And I mean, credit to my parents. They were very devout Christians for sure. But I just think it's a little bit dangerous to teach religious beliefs as facts to children. You know, like I was told that Jesus Christ was was God and there's no denying that in Canada, you know, what's being taught in the Middle East as absolute fact. One of us are wrong. There's just no way yeah. one of us can be right. You know, what's being taught in, you know, Asia is absolute fact. And I'm like, mom, how do you know that your, your belief is true? And she's just, um, you know, never could provide that, that direct answer that I was looking for. My mom right now, bless her soul. She's on a, she's on a missions journey in the middle East. And I'm so, I'm so proud of her. She's helping people and she's, she's doing some, some teaching over there. She's doing a great, great work. And I mean, a lot of Christian values of um, treat others as you want to be treated. And, and, you know, Jesus taught a lot of compassionate, compassionate things. But to teach religion as absolute fact to kids, especially, you know, there's so much science and stuff out there. And and um, I, I think if I have kids, I, I just want to be very open and, and showing them all the information. Just like choose for yourself, because I don't know, man. I don't know. We might be in a simulation right now. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Like, the Cartesian we, we have demon. no idea. We're so advanced at the same time, but we're so stupid. We really have no idea at all of what's going on. You know, where did we come from? Where was our existence? Is there other life form? You know, how, how can we get to Mars? We're as a human species, we're as advanced as we've ever been, but we're just not even not even scratching the surface of of reality. For sure. Do you do you think that the rigidity in their teachings was part of what made you like do such a quick one eighty when you sort of went For out sure. into the world? Yes, absolutely. It was just like too much, you know? And I mean, it, it's just because their parents taught them that. So they could believe it as an absolute fact. And again, it's information is out there. But I mean, when I have the internet and I can Google stuff and, and immediately have other opinions, you know, I'm going to have other views in my life that, that, that will lead me in other directions. My parents were very rigid. There's, I, I really believe if they were more loosely, like, this is what we believe, it's your choice, that would, uh, I'd still feel a little more warmly about possibly pursuing that. But the fact that it was this is that you have to believe in it. There's no other way. It was very, uh, 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 it was very forceful that it, it definitely s- s- kind of scared me away. Yeah. Do you, do, does that put a strain on your relationship with them? I have a great relationship with my mom, dad, not so much. I mean, I wish him the best all the time. Um, but no, I mean, we've come past that and, and they've loosened up a lot, of, a lot since, since all of us kids have moved out. They're, they're also really great parents. They, they gave me a very, very good upbringing. Nobody's perfect. I don't believe they were either. But in the matter of discipline, work ethic, respect, they taught me a lot of good things. Do you, did your um, your siblings also, you talked about your, your brothers, right? Um, yeah. Do, do they, did they have a similar reaction when they sort of went out into the world or are they still? Yeah, it was more gradual. Maybe it took four or five years, but um, they definitely had a more gradual Man, my brothers are the coolest, John and Dave. They're both engineers, super smart guys. It's fun to meet up with them when we talk about crazy stuff. They're they're so smart and so intelligent. And they've they my brother is married to this awesome girl, Marion, and then 
my brother has I, my family's really really cool but yes as soon as the family left i mean parents were just you know they want to do a good job as parents but my brothers they they kind of went their own way and they're exploring a bunch of different stuff and then as soon as we left my parents loosened up as, as well my family is closer than we've ever been and i'm very very thankful for that that's one of the reasons i moved back here to calgary's now i'm only a couple hour drive away from them and i can see them whenever they want you know we were never really that close before but we were closer than we ever have been yeah and big brother was a cool thing that kind of brought them together too it's like they, they had this universal cheering platform like <laughs> go kevin go you know it was really fun yeah well uh like okay so one of the the things uh about you on big brother canada 3 <laughs> was that you really came in saying like uh like i'm not into commitment that's not my my deal uh really not into that what what inspired that mindset for you oh man yeah i was so i was 21 uh and when big brother canada season three got cast i was 21 years old and uh one of my best buddies was uh, his name was jamie staples he's another twitch streamer really really big and we had an idea that we are young we have potential to you know live a crazy career travel a lot go nuts it's like why would you want to get locked down with one person and you can go explore the world and have all this freedom right in our minds me and my buddy we're both 21 it's just we're so young and so naive and still to the, to the extent i am but um we're like i mean we're 21 we're on the top of our we're on the top of our game right now let's go wild and just have some fun you know i just came from again maybe a restrictive uh christian upbringing it's like i'm free from that let's go crazy so yeah i really is like and you look at the statistics with marriage marriage fails a lot i mean 60 percent, 55 percent of marriages ends in and we were very oh it's like I mean, the math doesn't lie. Over half of these aren't working. You know, if we're going to jump out of a plane and we have a 60 percent chance that our parachute isn't going to open, are we going to do this? <laughs> no, we're going to stay in the plane, right? But at the yeah, we're just like you know, very high egos. We can fulfill our own happiness in life. And again, like I said, I'm now 24. In the last couple of years, my value of relationships has gone up a lot. My value for uh, you know, like human interaction and and kindness and and uh, just being nice to each other is is at an all time high right now. Well, yeah, that was one of the the interesting things watching you on Big Brother Canada 3 is that you came in with that attitude and then like very quickly uh, you met this girl, Peely. Oh, I couldn't say no. She's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, ended up like uh, be, being a very successful relationship uh, even after getting out of the house. Yeah, absolutely. Peely is um, the greatest. She's actually... She's at hot yoga right now. So we dated for a year after Big Brother and then um, broke up. Again, broke up. Like, we, we weren't together. We were definitely single, allowed to do our own thing. And then but I texted her every day. I'm just still obsessed with her. And then on Big Brother Canada 5, when I had, like, an aggressive flirt slash showmance with William, I was single at that time. Uh, but Peely and I are back together. She moved to Calgary. And, uh, yeah, we're looking at buying a house together, which is super exciting. As much as my brain is, gets obsessive about things like poker, reality, television, um, hobbies like cryptocurrency or or whatever it is, and I go, 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 Peely is on the other side of that spectrum that bounces me out. She couldn't care less about things. Like, oh, this <laughs> happens to laugh. And, you know, she's, like, so different than me. And it's the perfect person for, for me to be with. And I think we balance each other out really, really nicely. She's so fun. You know, always very positive. She's so kind to people. Always trying to build people up. So, I mean, that was obviously a, a – you can argue whether it was a bigger winner in Season 5 or Season 3. You could definitely make that argument, you know? Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, just, I was just talking to, to Nicole Sesternino, and she was talking about Rob and how, like, he very much balances her out um, in a similar way. Uh, and I, and I, I was saying at the time, like, I do think that, it, you know, good relationships require balance. And, and you know, it can be – 
you know, very asynchronous in terms of like beliefs or like uh, attitudes or, you know, yeah. idiosyncrasies, whatever. Sure. But if you balance each other out, then then that's what makes you a, a good team. If I dated the female version of Kevin, it wouldn't last a day. Like I would be so <laughs> unable to date myself and my personality. I would just drive myself crazy. And I'm aware of that, but Peely is uh, a perfect, perfect fit. So yeah, it's, uh, we're looking to buy a house in, in Calgary and that's a big step, you know, as a, as a couple, but that's really, really exciting. Well, what, what got you there? Because, um, like, you know, you, you mentioned that you, 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 you quote unquote broke up and then got back together. Like, do you, can you, do you want to tell that story? Yeah. I mean, there's, it's nothing too crazy. I think it's pretty normal in the story arc of relationships and that, you know, we're still in our young twenties, like we're still developing and changing as people. And like, um, yeah, we just, we, we were together for a year and we both mutually said, you know, we, we should probably take some time away and go, you know, potentially explore, date some other people or, or just really, you know, make sure if this is what we want. And then, um, yeah. And that, I think it's a pretty normal story arc for relationships. There's moments of, you know, it's just like a graph. There's ups and downs and the ups is just amazing. This person's everything, but then there's also downs too. And that's normal. You know, people go through highs and lows and taking time away. It's, it doesn't mean the relationship fails. It's just a readjustment, you know, was, was there like, um, did your experience on big brother Canada five, uh, like influence you in a, in a way, like, like sort of get your mind back into a place where you're like, you know what, like I really, this is really what I want. Yeah, after for sure. Yeah, coming off of a, a very uh, hard experience, you know, Big Brother was the best time of my life, but it was also the hardest. It's such an insane experience being isolated for 69 days plus sequester, being unaware of what's going on, competing mentally, sleep deprived, you know, slightly starving some weeks with slop. Uh, and then it's insane. And then coming back, you know, it kind of def definitely gives you clarity into what things are important in life and um, a relationship. And, and, you know, I mean, we're best friends, solid best friends. I've texted her every single day for three years, except when I was isolated in season five. And it's just like, I just, what, like this person makes me happy. It's just a no brainer at this point. Yeah. Her, was it, it was a video, right? Uh, to you in the house. Yes. Yeah. She it sent, was amazing. She, yeah. She sent a video. It was, it was incredible. It was really good. And she was really supportive. William and I had a really close relationship too. And again, I've, I haven't seen big brother Canada season five. I, I haven't watched it. It's just too, it's, just, it's too weird. It's just that that's the best word for it. It's too weird. You know, uh, coming off of Big Brother Canada, my goal is like, obviously, the win is just incredible. <laughs> Taryn, Taryn, I won. I can't believe I won the show, dude. I can't believe it. It's still surreal, <laughs> you know? But coming off of it, I'm just like, all right, this is so, such a crazy experience. All I want to do is do is get back to normal life, get back to my job, you know, interact with my family again. I haven't seen the show. I watched a couple episodes. I, I hung out with William in Toronto and we watched a couple of episodes and a couple of episodes I came across really badly in, you know? Yeah. I, well, I you like, need oh, to, you need to see the, uh, the DRs where William's like, oh, we'll see who the boy toy is. That's the one, dude. That's the episode <laughs> we watched. And I'm like, oh my God. And, um, coming off of season three, I was overall a universally loved character on Big Brother. Season five was very polarized. A lot of people were not happy to see me win. Which, uh, which is like, you know, it gives me a little bit of satisfaction that I kind of ruined some people's <laughs> finale. You know, it gives me a little bit of joy that the large base of the fandom wanted to see a Dimitri or Ico win, right? And I was the person, I was the yin to that yang. And I just, you know, it's, it's like, it does bring me a little bit of joy. <laughs> but the couple episodes that William and I watched, I looked terrible in for my DRs to my interactions to all the clips they showed. I looked so bad. I was just like, oh God, like, I know this isn't me. I know I, I'm, I know myself and what I was portrayed in a couple episodes. It's just, you know, ah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun to watch. So 
I mean, I'll watch the season sometime in the future, but I, I haven't done it yet. But I mean, credit to Peely. At the same time, there was nothing wrong with it. I was totally single. I was totally free to do whatever. We were, we were, we were just friends, right? Mm-hmm. But she stuck by me, supported me as a best friend would. Even, even though, I mean, imagine me cuddling with William, hanging out with with, with him very closely. It's not easy for her to watch, but credit oh, yeah. to her. She sent me an amazing HOH video. It gave me a lot of support. It was awesome. You know, it was really, really fun. Another, uh, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So a tiny little tidbit of behind the scenes. I'm free to say this. This is fine. Um, <laughs> I always have to, you know, you don't yeah. want to talk about too much production. So when you go on, I think the producers caught this. They never, they never talked to me about it. But when you go on the show, you're asked to get a playlist of music, right? So when you win HOH, you get a playlist of music. And during Sequester, you get a whole series of, of you know, before I went on, I asked some family members, Peely and a bunch of other family members, to, to film like an audio recording and just, hey, a minute and a half, say, give me some encouragement, pretend I haven't heard from my family in a couple of weeks. So I got a bunch of my family members to give these amazing audio bites. And then before I went on, I took uh, songs and I spliced the, the <laughs> messages into the songs. Yeah. And so when I was in sequester and isolated, I knew which certain songs had my family video message and I would listen to them for encouragement. And when I, and when I got my iPod, there was a scene, I don't know if it made it on the live feeds, but uh, I was talking to William and I was like, listen to this. And I went to one of the songs and I was Pee Wee talking and, and he couldn't believe it. He's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they found out and I think they went through it and I think they took the songs off because the second time I won HOH and got my iPod, those songs with my family's audio messages on them, they weren't there anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. A little bit of a behind the scenes how you can, but I, some people say like, that's, I, someone told me, I told that story in my Twitch stream the other day. Someone told me that's cheating. Like you cheated in big brother. <laughs> I disagree, man. I, if you can push the envelope in certain, there's definitely some moral codes and stuff. Um, but I mean, that's just like understanding the system. And, you know, I, I got, I got some encouraging video uh, audio messages, you know, I didn't gain some sort of game advantage from it, but it definitely helped me out. I, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious actually. Cause uh, again, like you very much, like gamed the system in, in any way that you could. Um, yeah. Did you have difficulty in the house? Like knowing that, that Peely was watching, like, did you ever, because I mean, obviously you were single, but you also probably knew like this, I mean, being on big brother where there's live feeds, like that's probably the worst possible like scenario yeah, for it, like your ex to be on big brother. Um, so did, 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 was that in the back of your mind? For sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, but during, you know, the, the two and a half months, also, you, you kind of get numb to the, numb to the whole experience of, you know, how how on camera you are. It does become numb. It does become your environment. In a way, during Big Brother, you do get institutionalized to the to the house and the surroundings. I was aware that um, I probably I know I probably I, I hurt her for some extent. And I mean, we've had that conversation so many times and she's always so forgiving and stuff. You know, um, I definitely am not proud of everything that happened in, on season five, of Big Brother Canada or season three. That's just human nature. You know, what, what time in your life do you go through it's two and a half months and you're like, I lived life perfectly. Never, you know, you make <laughs> mistakes every day. And thankfully, I mean, that's, I think why our relationship is so strong nowadays is because we are open about this stuff. We can acknowledge it. We don't just sweep it under the rug, right? We're very real with, uh, with everything that happened. Yeah. Well, I know it took some people by surprise that you were flirting with, with Will William, um, because I, I guess like not a lot of them knew that you were open to that kind of experience. Did, did, were you aware before then, or was that oh, yeah. like your first experience with that? I mean, no, I've been open for, I mean, I flirted with Johnny a ton. I'm very, uh, again, I hate putting labels on it. Most of my attraction is, is to women, but if there's a hot guy out there that I'm attracted to, I'm definitely comfortable enough to be like, wow, that guy is, you know, so I, I'm an open dude for sure. Very, very, 
very, very fluid. I mean, it's 2017. I think fluidity and and experiencing and, and that stuff is a little bit more common nowadays. Nowadays, in terms of like, you get the, you know, someone tries to slide in your Instagram, like, you know, hey, I liked you on the, you know, like I get, for every one female I get DMing me, I get like <laughs> six, gay, six gay guys. I just think it's more aggressive, you know? Yeah. For every one girl that's like, hey, we, you know, probably six guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if, if my ratio is that high, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely more guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, big brother just trips you to the core. Just shows shows everything. Just trips you. It trips you to the absolute core. Well, so so you mentioned that you don't like particularly like labels. Is there uh, like a reason for that? Like, do you try to avoid like saying like I am this? Yeah, I just don't see a purpose for it. You know, I don't, I don't know. Bisexual is is the closest thing, but I don't even know that man. It's just like some one time experiences, and my overall attraction is by so like I'm. 20% bisexual, I'm 25%. Bi- I'm just like, you know, I'm me. I'm Kevin. I'm fluid. I like this person. I like that person. You know, yeah. people get obsessive and and um yeah, people have always I get so many messages and stuff like, "What are you? Are you gay?" And I'm just I'm just me, dude. I'm just me. That's that's what I am, you know. I act on my on my instinct. I I just I don't have a lot of shame. I am who I am. And I, I, and hopefully some other people can why do we care what other people label us? It just doesn't matter. Just yeah, doesn't people, matter. they like to, they like to people, just put people in nice little categories. Yes. They, yeah. they want to have boxes and they want to put human individuals in boxes because that's how it makes sense in their brain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sorry, I don't fit into your scheme. Sorry, I don't care. Yeah, I, I think that's a very healthy attitude, actually. Like, I, um, it's, again, something that I think uh, we talked about with, with Nicole a little bit uh, in terms of, like, how do you raise your kids to be like individuals like yeah. that you know they, they can feel comfortable being themselves and yeah. i think part of that is encouraging people to be free of labels and you know like maybe it's easier to go like oh well, okay so kevin is bi that's that's great uh oh, yeah. you know and i mean that's the core of what that's the core that's the core of what big brother stereotype casting is oh jp is the nerd zach's the football player mark is the the hot stud you know what that's how reality casting goes and people are confined to boxes and so you know it's like it's it's a crazy stereotype to break is is just ah, i'm me i'm me and it's weird because the the best casting is when the, the... fluid casting when no one's not anything it's just people that's exactly by far the best casting when you're putting on your mat from big brother 19 you know just <laughs> the silver fox or whatever by the way and that was my winner pick and i was <laughs> kind of hurt <laughs> i don't you know on reality television, if you play the game and um, like Cole, you're watching Survivor, obviously this year. Yeah. Cole, bad at it. He looks like he, lo- he looks bad, right? right? He looks really, really bad. But you can see he's trying. He's trying mm-hmm. to dig for idols. He's trying to do stuff, right? Matt didn't even try. He didn't even try to do anything, and it just. You know, as my winner pick, I was like, Matt, I don't care how bad you suck. Just try to play the game, you know? He he was literally like, if if you're talking about like a stereotype or a label, he was literally just like the label and that's it. Like he was that's literally right, yeah. as advertised, nothing else to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's a, he's, a, he's a fun guy to hang out with in real life. I don't know. But in terms of, of reality casting, that one was a bit of a flop. Yeah, well, that's that's also the thing because it's like, you know, we we uh we crap on matt but he seemed like a very nice guy like he oh, was probably sure, one of the man. better human yeah. beings on that season <laughs> i mean that's what i always kind of tease um i tease peely with that a lot of the time is like you know peely during season three of big brother canada she wasn't really a gamer she didn't really have her eyes on the prize that's just who she is you know she's competitive she's doing bodybuilding now too check out her instagram she shredded it's unbelievable she's in incredible shape 
but during season three, she was like, she, she really wasn't in a spot to win the game basically ever. And people gave her a lot of grief for that. And, and some, I'm like, Peely, you know, I think you're a good human because of that. You know, yeah. you're almost like the best, you're almost like you're a nice person. You're a good member of society, you know, and someone like me who's getting sleep deprived, trying to figure out how to win the next competition and how to scheme and plot and plot and plot, and, you know, like the, the Russell Hans, amazing super villain on, on reality television. Is he a good person in real life? Uh, I mean, <laughs> probably probably not the, the, the super nicest. Did, does she have the same, uh, probably not to the same level, but does she have the same sort of like uh, intensity uh, with like, oh, I lost, like that, that frustrates me? Yeah, it eats her up a little bit for sure. And, and especially seeing me get a second chance and me going on and succeeding. She's like, she's like, Kevin, if I could play Big Brother again, she's like, I would kill it. No one's going to go after me. I could do competitions. I would know how to win. She's just like, of course. And I mean, probably a, a lot of people who, who fail at reality television have that mindset of, oh, if I could just do it again, I could have one thing. Not many people get to play a second time. And on top of that, not many people get to actually win their second time. I'm very blessed that I, I conquered the goal. The goal of winning a reality television, I so luckily beat it and now it's just like it's off the bucket list and i can just move on to other things in life like i was so happy it was just i was talking to peter brown about this peter brown is a person who kind of thinks very like me and arlie chapin another person who kind of thinks very similar to me where they wanted to win that show more than anything else it was just ate them up it took them so long to let it go that they lost big brother canada they're just like so jealous that I got to go conquer it. And they're just like, I'm so happy for you, Kevin. And I identify with them. Yeah. I, it, it's kind of like, uh, have you talked to Eric Stein ever? I, a little bit. I bowled with him one time. He had a really good, uh, he had a really good uh, bowling. He, he had a good little toss going, but besides <laughs> that, I don't know much about him. He was a very good bowler. It's the second time I've heard about Eric bowling, actually. Um, oh yeah. He's really good. <laughs> must be, uh, must go a lot. Um, but yeah, he, I think he had that for a long time and I think he's still like, it, it eats him to this day that, uh, and it's a different scenario, obviously, because he got like really, really screwed, like more than probably anybody on the history of the show. Yeah. Um, but like uh he never he never got the chance to come back and like you really do sort of represent all of the people that like were just really frustrated some people say you got screwed by a twist in your first season uh which is i think partly true um yeah. and uh and you you came back and you were able to win in a in a very unconventional way but i think your obsessiveness about the show and like your loss, it, it like directly contributed toward oh, your win. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100% for sure. Yeah. I mean, how many people, I don't, I don't know if anyone has ever done it, but as soon as I got the call to come back, I stopped everything in my life. I had a full Twitch stream running. My Twitch stream was peaking. I had two weeks to prepare. I knew. So I got the call from Robin Cass. I knew I had two weeks to go on before the show. It's like 14 days. What can I do in the next 14 days? to ensure I have the highest chance to win this fucking television show. <laughs> like, uh, so I got, I got, I had uh, someone who was helping me out with my Twitch stream, basically like a part-time employee. And I phoned her. I was like, Sue, this is weird, but I need you to go through every episode of Big Brother Canada and write down every competition, take screenshots, take pictures, write down who won, write down what strategy they used to win that competition and write down everything that's ever happened in the show and send it to me. And sure enough, in a couple of days, because she's this lady's incredible. She's this lady from Australia. I don't know how she did it, but within two days, she sent me this massive booklet. Every competition from season one to season five. And I went through it all. I went through every competition, every person who was won everything. And I was like, so every competition that's ever been happening in Big Brother Canada, I knew the optimal strategy to use. 
And especially near the end, I mean, they're different, but the final four veto, the final four HOH, they're all the similar mental competitions relying on days, numbers. What, how many times did Cindy's chip get pulled? I knew this. I knew they weren't going to change the format. So going in, if I was like, if I can get through the first half of the game, and to my credit, I laid low the first half of Big Brother Canada season five. I was off the radar. I wasn't touched for a long time. So it's like my first half game was really boring, but really good to get me to that second half of the game where I could be stout. And, and yeah, I don't know, like, I think those final competitions in poker, we use a term called variance, right? If the game is very lucky, like if we flip a coin right now, there's no skill edge. You're 50-50, right? You're going to have the time. I'm going to win half the time. If we play poker right now, me and you, um, I'm going to win 65% of the time. You're going to win 35% of the time, right? There's a little variance. You can still get lucky. You can still hit your cards, but I'm going to make better decisions. Um, But with those final skill competitions with the memory, I don't think there's a lot of variance. Like, I think we could run that competition 100 times. I might have won 98, 99 times. I mean, in the final buzzer competition between me and Dimitri's, um, there are seven questions, 50-50, you could guess correctly. Like, he's maybe going to win a certain amount of the time, but, like, I just knew my stuff better. There's not a lot of variance, and you could really, really exploit it. If you knew your stuff, you're just going to win every time. So I wonder, with Season 6 of Big Brother Canada coming up, are they going to change the end competitions to make it a little more random so someone like me, who is the the target from the final eight on, can't win, you know? I wonder what they're going to do with it, or are they just going to keep it the same? Yeah, I, I, that's something I'm I'm very interested in because it's also something that I thought about during the season because uh, I believe that that same person that that uh, that uh, compiled the the binder for you, she was also running your accounts, right? Yes, yes, Sue, yeah. Um, I, she released the video where you talked about it toward yep. the end of the season. And she said she was supposed to release it earlier, which made me like, like wonder, like if she had released it earlier, I wonder if the producers would have responded in some way, um, yeah. especially knowing that they wanted an Ico win. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have a slight, slight theory about this too. If you go back through season one through season four, and you go back to the final HOH buzzer questions. So John and Ed season two, um, Emmett and, um, Gary season one, the questions are a little bit easier than we had in season five. Our season five questions at that final HOH were very difficult. One of the questions was who was strapped in during the pairings of the first, like, and like they were intensely complicated questions. Um, so I wonder if the producers made them a little bit harder because they, they wanted to, to, to bring that skill edge down a little bit. I don't know. I mean, you can, with big brother and alumni, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and fun stuff. And there are 16 people that play big brother there's a 17th house, 17th house guest, and that is production. They have a massive say on the show and who gets what edited, especially in Canada when there's twists and like things can help out in certain aspects. Fascinating show, man. It's just so, so interesting. Yeah, and, and I mean, like being a fan of the U.S. version for so many years, um, I've always been somebody that says, like, uh, I don't believe in the conspiracy theories. Like, uh, they're not telling people what to do in the DR. Um, but- I mean, I love the Big Brother Canada people, but I'm a little less uh, defensive about the Big Brother yeah, Canada gotcha, production. Gotcha. <laughs> um, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, not to say I think they directly manipulate things, but I think they're more willing to like introduce twists or uh, you know yeah. stuff like that. I it's a business. How it mm-hmm. works is inside production needs to get views to get their people paid to get the show renewed. It is an absolute business. I mean, if you're going to slightly change something in one area to ensure views, I mean, if I'm running the business, I want to make the show as good as possible. I would probably do things. They're very fair from what I saw. And from my interactions with the people, especially knowing them behind the scenes, they are absolutely fair. But I mean, biases probably play a slight impact for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
And on the other end of that, so just to finish this preparation story, um, so I prepared, knew every competition and stuff and really had shit memorized. And then in sequester, so you're, before the show starts, you're in sequester for seven days and everyone watches Game of Thrones or whatever. I, every day I would wake up and I went, I had a series of tasks. I would work out, but I would also like study and make sure I knew everything and everything that's ever happened. Puzzles, slide puzzles. I would practice slide puzzles. I'd slide, I wanted, I wanted a slide puzzle in season five. I would have had that shit done in <laughs> four seconds. I swear to God, I have played, I played the slide puzzles so much because in season one, Peter lost a veto due to a slide puzzle and he got out of the game. I'm just like, if I get a second chance and I have my fate in my hands with the competition, there's no way I'm going to let it slide. Right. So, and thankfully I didn't. Yeah. Well, it, your game really is like if, I mean, I, I assume most people listening to this podcast, they're a fan of big brother and or survivor. Like your game really is very unique. It basically that like to compared to what we've ever seen on any iteration of the show. Yeah. And part of that I think is because, uh, Big Brother Canada, the competitions were more predictable. There really was sort of a flaw in their system. Uh, whereas yeah. in Big Brother US and um, and to some extent on Survivor, the competitions vary a lot more. You can't really predict what's going to happen. And even in those particular competitions, as you mentioned, there's a lot more variance. Like they're not just straight up quiz competitions. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's going to be like random guesses involved or like, uh, oh, if you trip here in Survivor, then you've lost this immunity uh, or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that you had sort of a unique environment to do it. But it's a very interesting game to analyze um, because I think it, it's become a very polarizing game where like there are still a lot of like Ica fans who are like, oh, Kevin's the worst. Like, the worst winner ever. And I just. <laughs> I kind of feed off of it. I like it. There's people that it's a very polarizing game. Kevin, you're the worst player to ever play. You're an idiot. And I mean, I, I did a lot of dumb things, but then there's people that like on the, the game theory people, there's some people that worship my game and they're like, this is incredible. You broke the system. Like, well done. Yeah. And, and that's why, like, you know, you, you mentioned speculating, like, what are they going to do for next season? Um, I, I mean, I know that there are some of them that listen to our podcasts and yeah. we talked about how you broke the game. So I assume that they're going to take that under advisement and be like, all right, maybe we need to switch up these end, end competitions. Uh, but on the other hand, like, you know, maybe maybe they're fine with that. Maybe they uh, maybe they'll get a, a, a couple different people who will yeah. be doing what you did. And then it'll be like a very high level of like uh, everyone gets all the questions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember there's a funny moment. So uh, I think it was final five or whatever. I had I had a very uh, I had a crazy system where I used different colors of sprinkles to represent different things. And I made this beautiful visual graph and I had like. HOH wins, POV wins, and that because I was just prepping for my mental competitions. And I remember there was one moment where Dylan came into the HOH room. I used to hide it; I used to be very secretive. But at a point, it came like four versus one. Good luck, try to beat me, right? And then Dylan saw this sprinkle spreadsheet. He's like, "What? What is this?" I'm like, "I'm like, I just told him. I was like, this is this, this is this." He's like, "Holy shit!" It's like, "Do I? Should I be doing this?" <laughs> I'm like, Dylan, no, you're fine. You're fine. I like Dylan, man. Dylan's actually fighting for uh, the Canadian title coming up in December. I kind of oh, want to wow. jump on a plane to go support him in Niagara. I haven't said a word to him from finale. There's probably some salty feelings. I want to go support him anyway. Anyway, final note on that. It would be tough for there to be another Kevin and someone to replicate that. But if there is, I've always said him, big brother, man, get the mental threats out first. Like the people with the six packs and the muscles, it really doesn't matter. Like just know... There was a scene from Big Brother 19. Remember the first week of Big Brother 19? Cameron and Christmas were on the block, and the house was deciding who to vote out. It was Cameron, Christmas, and Jillian. Jillian was safe. It was basically between Christmas or Cameron. 
And um, there is a scene with Paul in the diary room saying, these house guests are idiot. You need to get rid of Christmas. She's the competition beast. I'm like, not a chance, you guys. Cameron is the guy who needs to go. Cameron knows the show. He's going to dominate mental competitions. I'm like, get the mental threats out first. They're by far more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, there there hasn't been a winner of the show that wasn't a big fan since, uh, I, I, I can't even think, like, Forever. what was it, John Party? Like, I think it was John Party is the last, yeah. like, if you count Canada. And if you yeah. don't count Canada, it was... Well, how- how big of a fans were the Pax Bros? I, I don't they, remember. Uh, the, um, Phil, I believe, was a huge fan. Nick yeah. was less less so. Um, but I I, <laughs> I definitely would count uh, uh, like them as as fans of the show. Um, even though Nick was ended up being like probably the better player. Hey, Peely. Hi, baby. What's up? Hey, say hi. I'm on a podcast. We were just talking about you. Where are you? It's Peely. <laughs> Where are you? I'm doing the Terran show. It's a, it's a podcast. We're talking about Big Brother or anything. It's oh, you're a, doing that. I'm yeah, it's a sweet podcast. We're talking about everything. Are you? I'm just, I'm just, I just came to Shepherd City. I'm not doing anything. No, I'm good. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. I love you. Bye, sweetheart. Anyway, she was, sorry. She was the best when, because uh, I remember we did a a podcast a little while ago, like maybe a couple, maybe a year or two ago at this point. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of was she there from the start? Did she, I think she popped in. And uh, that was like, it's still yes, one of my favorite I, podcasts. I do remember that. that. I do remember that. That's yeah, that was, that was, that was awesome. Um, well, just one more moment on Peely. If you want to follow Peely on Instagram, whoever's listening to this podcast, Peely is bodybuilding nowadays. She goes to the gym two hours every day, then hot yoga for an hour and a half. She's eating the right foods. She's eating supplements. It's incredible. Her six pack, borderline eight pack now. I just got to give her props. She is actually in the next couple of months, she's like talking about competing in actual bodybuilding and stuff. She is shredded. So I just have to give her props and like, yeah, is she, I mean, when I was on Big Brother Canada season five, she was in good shape. But during that three months, she basically said she watched live feeds and worked out full time. I came off the show and she was just like in incredible shape. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, what have you been doing for three months? So yeah, so that was the change from like uh, no commitment to commitment. It's like, I oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I like a good, like I like the the alpha female like yeah. oh I got some muscle on her and stuff I I love it so that's yeah, my dream girl lucky man yeah um <laughs> so uh, she she's like actually gonna compete in like like bodybuilding stuff yeah I mean we were looking at it she's a little bit concerned with the health benefits because sometimes mm-hmm. her bodybuilders dehydrate themselves to make sure their muscles show on stage and stuff she doesn't want to do anything unhealthy but she she really uh, wants to yeah she's she's also looking at I mean she's kind of putting making her Instagram a, a fitness. She's doing her personal training certification right now. Um, she wants to work people out. So her dream job is to go to someone's home. They pay her. She works them out for an hour and has a bunch of different appointments. It's free. She can work people out on Skype. She can travel the world and, you know, make decent money. So that's what she's going for right now. And uh, her future looks very, very bright. That's awesome. Like, uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, you and you and Peely, you live like this, this wonderful life. You know, you're like two very attractive Dude. people. <laughs> make, uh, you're, you're making money streaming poker on Twitch. She's making money like uh, getting super jacked. Like, uh, it's amazing. No, I appreciate that a lot. But on the other end of that, man, um, I mean, it's not all, it's not, it's not perfect, dude. I'm still, still after Big Brother. There's some, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking of going to see a, 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 a therapist recently. Like I'm in, I'm very healthy, but mentally it's such a, it is still a very traumatizing experience. I still have dreams, borderline nightmares. Sometimes I dream about playing Big Brother almost every night. 
Other reality TV contestants talk about it all the time. Denise Stapley, winner of Survivor Philippines, said for a year and a half after she played her game, she thought about it every single day, you know? So, I mean, we I'm very blessed. I have an awesome job. Peely's doing well. But at the same time, we're people. We have highs and lows, too. And, like, um, I think it's good on the podcast, too, just to advocate for it. Mental health is a big thing, man. And it, and um, it, it's it's very, very easy to, to discard it as, like, oh, you, you're a one percenter. You have an amazing life. Like, what are you to be sad about? Everyone has mental health issues and stuff to be afraid of. So if there's someone out there who is having highs or lows, reach out to someone. There is information. Don't let it sit there because it'll fester and you'll drive yourself crazy. Like this has been the best year of my life, but you know, I still need help in certain moments. So I'm not a perfect person. I, I, I have highs and lows and I just wanted to, to say that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like what, is, what is it about the experience that, that still like, uh, like haunts you? Uh, it's tough to pin it. And I think it's yeah. universal, man. I mean, Godfrey was tweeting, Godfrey was talking about it the other day. If It's just such a unique situation where you were really pushed to your limits that, um, you know, and Sarah Hanlon, after season three, Sarah and I were talking and it's like, Sarah, you won this show. What do you have to have regrets about? She's like, she's like, I think about it almost every day. I still have regrets. And I, I empathize with her now and that uh, it's such an insane, insane situation that, you know, sometimes there is some trauma to deal with it for sure. Well, you live 24 seven in like, front of cameras being watched 24 seven and yeah. playing a game of deception and betrayal yeah. and paranoia like for uh, in Big Brother candidates. What, like 70 days? Like, yeah, 69 was the first one. But yeah, I mean, the process, it's much longer than that. The process of casting is, is very stressful mm-hmm. and there's highs and lows of casting. Then sequester, man, sequester by yeah. itself is insane. So for those who don't know the details of sequester, Big Brother Canada, they put you in a hotel room and they tell you, if you leave, you don't go on the show. They don't even give you a key card. There's no phone. There's no anything. They give you coloring books and they give you DVDs to watch for 10 days. You don't leave a hotel room and you don't have normal interactions. I think that's part of it that what's so traumatizing is you are in an environment that you can't trust anyone for so long. It's not normal. Humans almost need trust, you know, to have a relationship and someone that you just totally trusted and you can tell them your problems and your ups and downs there's something really good about that and big brother man bruno was my guy i but at the same time we fully didn't trust each other you know there is like, you can't trust someone 90 100 and to live in an environment where you can't trust someone you're sleep deprived because god you're not sleeping properly on big brother you're in this mental warfare it's not natural to be in that environment for humans for so long I think there are traumatizing effects afterwards. I talked to a lot of uh, alumni after, and some people have a really tough time with it, man. Some people really do struggle. Again, we're reality TV contestants. It sounds like I have a little violin, man. We're not. There's people whose lives are much, 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 much harder every single day. But there are effects from the show that are lasting for sure. I, I mean, I can imagine it must it must it like change you in many ways. And it, it, it must do something uh, to you where, yeah. like, do, do you have like flashbacks to it or or is it just like uh, yeah. like you can't get your mind off of it? Just a lot of dreams, a lot of dreams. I, I pretty much uh, it's I dream of a big brother almost every night. Yeah. And uh, just flashbacks where I'll, I'll phase out and I'll think about it. I'll be watching a TV show and just for a couple of minutes, I'll phase to different moments of the game. It's just like, you know, something that is easy to, to lose yourself in. Yeah, I, we uh, we played Secret Hitler, which is like this, uh, it's like Mafia. Uh, it's like a social strategic game. We played it at Podcast it like, House in like New York. Werewolf? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great game. Um, yeah, uh, we're, 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 we're streaming it sometimes. You should, you should join us. What? On um, Twitch? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I'm oh, my gonna, God. How yeah. have I not been involved? Can, 
Okay, is this something I can play over Skype with you guys? Or yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, hit me up with the next invite. I love for sure. it. It's like so, it's like a like werewolf or secret Hitler is like a microcosm of Big Brother. Essentially. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's just very very exactly. small version. There's no cameras, and you can leave whenever you want. Secret <laughs> Hitler for two and a half months. With exactly. The whole world watching. <laughs> right. So like we 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 played basically all day uh, on Thursday in New York at the Airbnb, and we streamed a, a decent a decent portion of it, um, just like with a with a camera and it was impossible to follow but um but it was like basically everyone you know we went home the next day uh we were we were talking in the group chats and every every single person was like yeah i dreamed about it like uh i still can't stop thinking about it like i'm i'm getting paranoid like every time somebody says 100 percent, i'm like fascist uh like (laughs) it's and that's just from one day like that is one day uh so i i can absolutely I can't like uh, imagine it like the full extent of it, but I can imagine just how out of my grasp it is to comprehend how affecting that must be to be in that house for so long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think it's a, a wild experience that is not natural for a human. Again, the best time of my life, but it's insane. It's insane. I, I understand it a little bit. When I first got cast on season three, it's like, this is my dream. This is going to be the best time of my life. And my mom's like, my mom is just the biggest sweetheart. So worried for me all the time. Kevin, you shouldn't do this. She'll just say her piece. She'll never force me to do anything I don't want. <laughs> Kevin, you should think about this. Maybe you shouldn't do this. I'm like, mom, I got to go live my dream. And sure enough, I did it. I'm so glad I did. But I understand that, uh, you know, there is some reasoning behind her little her little cautious voice on my shoulder. Yeah, it's it will. I mean, it's 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 funny because I feel like it is similar to poker in that in that way where they're. There are huge rewards if you really dedicate yourself to it yeah. in the way that you did to Big Brother and that you've done to poker. Like uh, if you if you're able to withstand it and like uh, be able to like live through the the damage it can do to your psyche, then sure. you can reap these huge rewards from it. Yes. Um, but it is kind of like a risk. Like poker is gambling, and yes. uh, you know, Big Brother in many ways is is gambling. That, very well said. That's kind of like everything in life. If you're really going to do something that's remarkable or, or newsworthy or anything you really are I and mean, that's with anything in life if you're able to sustain some some pain and some highs and lows you can you can really achieve some incredible things you know poker is a great example of that of, of you can do everything correct in poker and lose and it's just it boggles your mind sometimes but poker every spot i've had in poker every step of my career there have been some hard moments and i have put a lot of work into my poker career big brother is on a different level in terms of the stress anxiety i remember one day it was a final four or something in Big Brother Canada, it was like a week until the finale night. I woke up and my heart was beating. I woke up at eight in the morning. I felt like I was just running all night. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, okay, it'll calm down. I just take deep breaths, calm down, calm down. And for like three hours, my heart is dun, 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 dun. I just went to the psychiatrist. I'm like, what is this? Can you help me calm down? It's just like, it's like, it's okay. It's just some anxiety. It's like, I've never felt like anything like that before. It was just so, it was almost scary, but uh, I guess it was, it showed how much that, that end game meant to me and how, oh, dude, I'm so, I mean, I would, life would be, life would be fine. I'd still be living high if I got second, third or whatever, but to have the win is just, oh, it's the ultimate. (laughs) Yeah. What do you, do you think that you would have regretted the experience if you had lost or, or like, would it have been, Um, scales would have been a little more balanced there? No, I mean, everything was, everything was gravy, like getting to the final four and having the big brother Canada award ceremony and getting that milestone, getting to the final three, getting to the final two. It was, it was all incredible, a dream come true. It's all that stuff I didn't get to do in season three and then getting the win was incredible. I mean, 
uh, I, I would have been, it would have been hurt. Yeah. It would have been tough not to go away. It was really a uh, win season five or, 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 or it's a, a lost opportunity, you know? Well, I, cause I feel like it, it does require a certain level of fortitude to be a professional poker player and probably to be on big brother and come away. Not like, just like completely destroyed by it. Uh, do, like, because you know, it, it, with poker, like if you if you lose, like you can you can like lose in a night and just lose like tons of money, and yes. you have to be okay with that and like For sure, be yeah. able to sleep at night. Uh, so do do you feel like you you have a level of resiliency that um, is uncommon, or do you think that you've sort of learned that from poker? Um, I was always I was always mentally resilient before. Like in life, I remember being a teenager and like my car would would break down and my girlfriend was just in tears of like our day is ruined or like things would happen in life, just small uh, roadblocks, I guess. And I was always like, this is life. Let's just push this aside and keep going. Right. In life, people drive themselves crazy with things they can't control. Oh, it's snowstorming. We have to cancel our vacation. You know, people will get upset and it'll ruin their day. For me, I'm always able to push it aside. So in poker, let's say I get my money in with pocket aces and I lose. That's life. I mean, you're not going to win every time with pocket aces. You are going to lose 18% of the time. And I understand the process. Big Brother was a special one that, that was very sensitive to me. You know, <laughs> losing on season three was, was way more sensitive than losing at poker. I don't know what it was. I think it was just it being on TV and me being like, because in poker, you can rebuy. There's more tournaments. So, you know, you can put more money on the table. You're, it's never over. You can't buy a ticket into the Big Brother Canada house. And that's what I think it was so rare to me. It's like it was a one-time opportunity. And then thank God I got a second time too. But in poker, you can just keep going. Put more money on the table, right? You'll realize your equity. You'll be okay. In, in reality television, you get a very few amount of shots. Yeah, it's it's weird because for me, like growing up, I think poker helped crystallize a lot of ideas for me that yeah. like – that you, I'm like you were talking about, like you can do everything right and still lose. And cause I remember being taught like, okay, you know, if you have seven deuce, uh, you know, offsuit in Texas, hold them. Uh, that's the worst hand you can have. So oh. like, you know, you could, you should, you should fold. And then yeah. like, I was like, but, but then, you know, seven, two, two came up on the board. Like, uh, now I feel awful. And I remember yeah. my, my dad telling me like, no, you should feel good about the decision you made because it was Absolutely. the right decision. Dude, and you just nailed it. That's so perfect. You nailed it dead on. Yeah. And, and that, like, I think that really helped me just like my philosophy in life. It's just yeah. like, you have to be okay with the decisions you make in the moment and like, don't let the outcome get to you because that's, that's, you can't control that you can control your own decisions the term the term we use is being results oriented right mm -hmm. so make a good decision but in later if you learn information i mean you shouldn't change the decision you made in the time right for example this is a, just a key example that explains it so well i have two jobs let's say i have two job offers right one is for less money it's not really in a good place in town i don't like the working hours it's not a very good job right the other job good hours great pay it's going to be really good what job should i choose the good job obviously easy decision so let's say i take the good job a couple weeks in the building burns down the company goes bankrupt because of a natural disaster people say oh you made a bad decision you should have taken the job because you would still have this job right mm -hmm. no in the time that's the right decision there was an unfortunate circumstance that happened that now you know kind of hurt your life you still made the right decision at the time people people think about that all the time you know um, yeah. So yeah, don't be results oriented. It'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. And I like, 
I always tried to avoid learning what would have happened if I had made another decision because I like, I don't need that stress in my life. Like, no, I don't no. like, I, I can tell myself it's okay. I made the right decision, but I know that beforehand and I know that it'll be more difficult if I know that there was a good outcome on the other side. So I'm just gonna like, don't, don't, cause it's, it's gone now. There's no yeah. point in learning it. The only, the only thing that can happen is I'm going to be like, damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Oh, shucks. You know, <laughs> dude, you're preaching my language. You just nailed it so well. Yeah, well, because I, and I think that another uh, interesting part about your personality is something that really came out on Big Brother Canada 5, which is that like you really are just able to take a lot of like beating uh, from other people <laughs> between uh, Karen, who was this uh, this woman on your season that just had it out for you from the start. Uh, yes. She called you that Kevin Martin. You were uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, oh, yeah. you, were, you were the devil. Uh, and then Ika, who was on your case a lot, especially toward the end of the season, trashing your room, calling you all sorts of names. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, but you very much like more probably than any other person in reality TV in, in recent memory for me, just really just stood there and, and took it all season long and like had a smile on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that is very, very true. In conflict, I just hate conflict. I've never been in a physical fight in my life. I can't remember the last time I yelled at anyone. I can't remember the last outburst I had anyone. It's just I hate it makes me so uncomfortable. You know, and uh, when Ike is yelling, I just like, what am I going to add? What am I going to say rashly that'll make her less mad at me with Karen? You know, what am I? There was one line that I really, <laughs> when I needled Karen, uh, I think it did make the show. I've seen, I've seen the clip. It's like when Karen just rips into me, takes a tear off of me. And I'm just like, Karen, is our file two deal still on? Yes. <laughs> hilarious. That was a good little comeback. She was so mad about that for so yeah. long. Oh my god! I think she probably, I think she referenced that like toward the end of the season, like just still, mad, still upset about it. That's hilarious. But just to finish that note, in real life, uh, when you're in the world, if someone's mad at you, someone doesn't like you, you can change your environment. You can walk down the street and hang out with different friends. You know, if you have a friend who is no longer adding anything to your life, you can just not hang out with that friend. Very easy decision, right? In Big Brother, when you're in those enclosed circles, you can't, you can't leave. You just can't leave. So there's just nothing I could have added, and that's just how I am. I just shut down in conflict, and people were very frustrated, man. I, it makes boring television. People wanted to see me an outburst. They wanted to see me defend myself or go back, and it's, it's just I don't know. It's not who I am. Yeah, and, and I think that there's a lot, like, to be learned from that attitude, too, because, like, there really isn't anything that you can say to somebody who is attacking you like that. Like, yeah. I think the instinct is, like, oh, I got to get them back. Like, yeah, uh, or, like, or no, 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 they're wrong, and I got to convince them how how and why they're wrong, but they're never going to be convinced. It's very much just, like, uh, ar like arguing on the internet, where it's just, like, very you much. will spend hours typing up the perfect response Doesn't and then matter. uh they'll be like f you no i'm yeah. right like it, it's you're not never gonna get anywhere and even like your best case scenario is you've just convinced one random person on the internet or like or like i mean i guess like it's just like it's never it's never gonna be fruitful um but it's so hard to resist i think yeah. like uh that that urge to just be like oh um, i like i just saw an opening i can really give him give him a jab here and you you don't even think past that like you think yeah. like like because this has happened to me on twitter before it's like you know i get you know you know 
lots of plenty of mean comments like not more than anyone else but like uh there are always going to be mean comments if you're you know a, a podcaster or out there in any extent um and almost all of them i'll just like ignore uh, if it seems like it's not even constructive and it's just mean, I'll just, I won't even read it. Uh, but then sometimes you get one of those comments and you're like, oh man, I have a great, I have a great response to this. And, and, and then I, and then I do it and I'm like, yes. And I feel good. And then, and then like, obviously that just makes them more angry. And then yeah. I regret it afterward, almost always. Um, so it's well, like, I, you, yeah, you have to like, you have to like be able to, to control that urge. And I think like, you're very, very good at that. Yeah. I, yes. I mean, yeah, they, I think, I, I don't know what it is, but I just don't like, I just don't, don't like the feedback into it. Also, I mean, that's what, that's what my job has been for a long time with Twitch streaming with people. I, when you play poker hands, I mess up a lot of hands. I make a lot of mistakes, right? And people in the chat, let me know about it. Right. So during a Twitch stream, if one person says, Kevin, you should have done this. You suck. You're, you're not very good. I could take that comment. I could answer to it. And I used to, I used to, every time someone would go at me on my Twitch chat, I would go back at them and I would ruin the whole energy of the show. There's a lot of people watching. They wouldn't want me to see, they don't want to see this. They want to see good energy. They want to see vibes. They want to see me like the best thing to do. Hey, I made a mistake. Let's move on. I'm human. You know, just being mm -hmm. vulnerable is really, really key. And uh, you don't have to be right all the time. Yeah. The, there's a great moment. Uh, again, if you haven't watched Kevin's season where, uh, Kevin has the veto and Ika in her <laughs> veto speech tells him to shove it up somewhere. And, uh, then he proceeds oh, to is. use it on her. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I just, I mean, the season, the season, season five was good, right? Season five was, it was entertaining. It yeah. wasn't really, yeah, it was a good season. Well done to Big Brother Canada production. The casting was good. It was, it was well done. You know? It really was like a very unique season and it was like entertaining the whole way through. And uh, like, I think it gets a lot of flack probably because of you. Oh, yeah, man. If I would have won or Dimitri would have won, they would have just been so much more satisfied. But I think some people would have. But again, I, th I feel like uh, I feel like it's really like I think during at the time it was like if you didn't like Ika, you were stoned to death uh but yeah. but i feel like it's it's since sort of like balanced out where there's there's a lot of like no no, no this, this was actually a great season kevin really did really well uh like uh netta wasn't that bad guys yeah. um and then there's still like the the old ica contingent uh and it's I, I feel like it's a bit more 50 50 now for sure no it's it's uh I'm very satisfied with everything that happened. I just got my car a couple days ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the show wrapped on May 18th. Process the paperwork with the car took a long time. I just got back to work. I kind of put it in the back of my mind, right? And uh, I'm a person who I really don't buy myself nice things. Like I'm very uh, – in terms of like I'll, I'll go on a trip, you know, I'll buy a vacation. I'll buy nice things for other people. But I don't really treat myself that often. I just don't feel like I need to. But like, so to have a new car and hold the keys is like, oh my God, this is incredible. And like, you know, so that was very, very nice that I got it a few days ago. Big thank you to Toyota and Big Brother Canada. Yeah. And that, the, the that's ride. like much better than like, usually when you see in the US when somebody wins a car, like they usually have to pay taxes on it, oh, yeah, which like free. really takes away from like, uh, oh, I won this thing. And now well, I'm paying like six six ten thousand dollars of on taxes like that that doesn't feel like i've won something it feels yeah, like i'm exactly. buying something tax -free uh, but, in canada. yeah no no taxes in canada so it's free car greatest country dude free healthcare. i mean i mean you have to the igloo you have to work around with the igloos sometimes but besides that canada's the best <laughs> the igloos no i ran over a beaver the other day and like you know, maple syrup is everywhere, but Canada is the best. Yeah. So, well, is, was the money like, uh, like, was it life changing to you? Like how, like what impact did no. it have on you? No, 
I, uh, I, I haven't, it was funny the other day I was out uh, drinking at a bar and some girl came up to me very concerned. She, Kevin, like, nice to meet you. I heard that you were broke. I've heard that you've lost all your winnings by playing poker. I know. So no, I'm okay. I mean, I have, I have it all. I went on a trip to Mexico. I'm actually uh, into cryptocurrencies and investing a little bit. Have you uh, dabbled into the cryptocurrencies there? I, I haven't too much. I mean, I know, I know about them, but I haven't really yeah. dabbled because I'm very much like you. If I did, then I would be like, I'd know everything yeah. I could. No, it's, I've dabbled a little bit. I, I'm still a very casual investor, but no, I just have it locked away in some account. I'm looking at buying a house. I'll just put it all into that. I think very, very careful. Cool. So, I appreciated uh, the concern from the fan who thought I was struggling, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, that was a little bit wild. <laughs> were they like, "Do you need, do you need some help, Kevin?" No, they were so apologetic. I should have, I should have played it up. Yeah, Could you get the next drink, please? Like it's been <laughs> tough, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what's life been like post Big Brother Canada? Like, uh, has your life changed in any way, or, or is uh, it? Yeah, it's it's been it's been great. It's less changed than I thought it would be. It's still the same person, just back to work. Uh, you know, I have a little bit more money to go on trips or or or, or treat my. You know, it's it's the same, man. It's it's. I'm I'm excited for season six. It's nice that I came back. It's it really didn't change too much. No revolutionary. I get recognized when I go out in the street once in a while. But besides that, I'm just you know I'm doing me, man. It's it was a huge blessing. Again, big thank you for production for having me back. It's a, it's a wild ride. If if you're applying for season six, I wish you the best, man. It's a it's a life changing, precious adventure. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, t- tell me more about how you got into streaming and, and all of that because th- that's like basically your your main uh, occupation at the moment. Yeah, full time gig. So. Um, I used to be, I was playing poker for a full time for, for two years and my good buddy, Jamie started a Twitch stream, um, and he was streaming poker and I was like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you putting video on the internet? If you playing poker, what is the purpose to this? And I watched week after week and, you know, 50 people were watching him next Sunday, 150 people were watching him next Sunday, 400 people were watching him and he was getting donations, you know? And then a couple months later, he got sponsored by a major poker site, poker stars, the biggest poker site in the world. Like, this is incredible. And like, I, I can do this. I can play poker. I can, I can be entertaining. So I started it, man. I started uploading me streaming video to the internet. Uh, started building an audience, got a major sponsorship from poker stars two years ago, which is just again, life changing. And uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's fun. It's very, very cool. Well, well how did the, the uh, sponsorship come about? Uh, they followed me one day, which was interesting in terms of, um, poker skill. I was kind of starting out, right? There's a big difference between online poker where you're playing without seeing people and you're just playing people on the internet, right? To live poker. So when I moved to online poker, it was tough. It's a big learning skill. And to beat online poker games, how the poker economy works is there's a hundred percent of the players, right? Uh, it's raked, right? The poker stars, the poker side is making money. So they take a chunk, right? So there's a small sliver of people who are actually beating the game and winning. And then there's a lot of people of recreational players who are losing, right? So to be in that small sliver of people who are actually winning money from online poker, it's tough. It requires a lot of hard work and poker boomed like 12 years ago, 15, 15 years ago, boomed like 2003. And ever since there's a few less players every year, there's a few less players. There's a few less players. There's a few less of those recreational players or fish or whatever term you want to use to win money from. So games are getting tougher and tougher. So when I jumped online three years ago, I missed the boom, right? I missed the wave, but 
I was still dedicated. I studied a lot, studied a couple hours every day to really fine tune my game. Oh, I should play king queen from this position, but I should fold king jack. Like there are really close decisions that will impact your long-term results. And they liked my energy. They thought I was positive and they signed me to a sponsorship, which is, which is really, really cool. I got the patches just over there. So I only play on poker stars. I'm happy to represent them. And you know, I get, I get, I got to go to some tournaments and stuff. It's, it's, if you told me a couple of years ago that I was going to be sponsored playing the game that I love, it's just like, like what is going on? You know? Well, uh, that's another thing that you seem just sort of like built for is like streaming, like being a personality. You mentioned that you worked at a, a radio, uh, yeah. uh, whatever you call it, uh, <laughs> broadcast. Rock station, rock Rock station. We played so much Nickelback, Metallica. So, so uh, like, did was this like where where did this come from? Because you are very good at like just like you very much just seem like the kind of person that should be hosting something, streaming something, like some sort of personality on a show or or something where, like where where do you think that came from dude i have no idea thank you for the the, the kind words again in front of the camera it's it's fun to to be yourself and then be introverted off the camera and have your alone <laughs> time but I, I don't know man i i i it's just something i like i said i always liked attention i like giving projects like i get i like giving speeches in class and, and class projects i like being the center of attention i don't know it's, uh, it's something that's always been natural for me and it helped me with getting cast on Big Brother. I Where you could fine tune it and say, this is it's just my you know, the chemicals of my brain, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's tough to pinpoint the, the right moment. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I think that because like, again, some people have talked about like introverts wanting to be extroverts. I feel like you are more of like just you're just leg- legitimately like a hybrid. Like, yeah. like, I think you very much are an extrovert, but then you're also an introvert and maybe... Maybe because you're a hybrid, it may it's like best of both worlds. Yeah, pure hybrid. You nailed it exactly. I mean, you to an extent too, for sure. You you thrive in front of podcasting. Your interview skills are very very high. You've been doing this for a long time, but I imagine you know you don't you just like chilling by yourself at the same time. You're probably a, a bang on hybrid as well. Yeah, I, I I mean probably maybe not to the same extent that you are, um, but uh, but may, maybe a little bit um, because like it is weird because I was I was a very very shy kid when I when I was growing up, but I always loved um, like being on stage like singing uh, in front of a crowd. Ooh, um, I didn't know you sang. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever sung on the podcast? No, I have not. Oh, I, I maybe like a pretend song on the Ninja Warrior podcast. But... Gotcha. <laughs> um, I will because part of the reason is that like uh, if you really want to hear like my my like the what you might say is like my talent. It's like being a, a bass uh, in like a choir. That was like my 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 thing. Oh, okay. um, there was this there was a like fun podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah, it's this is always I get to do this every week and true, just yeah. like talk to people every Never every week. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. And uh, like, uh, I, I haven't talked to somebody yet that's just been like a, a boring conversation. Like, there's something interesting about every every person. Nice. Um, and like, there's something I like. My thing is that there's always something I can learn from them. Like, th- like they have an experience that I am curious about, and I get to just like probe them for it. And for like, sure. this is my excuse to because if I did that in real life, people would be like weirded yeah. out. I think Haley just came over. She should come. Haley, hello. Come say hi. Kevin. What's up? I had the best leg workout of my life. I believe it. Come say hi to Ryan Sharon. and I are not going to be able to walk tomorrow. What is this? It's a podcast. Come say hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm disgusting. Say hi. We're talking about like... reality. Hi. Hey. Like How's it going? Uh, Kevin tells me you're uh, you're really into like the bodybuilding. Yeah, I am. I just got back from the gym. That's very cool. What, what kind of stuff do you do? I just lift. 
Yeah. Just like body, like just any lifting, any type of lifting. Yeah. You make those gym, you make the gym bros look small. Ah, <laughs> heck no, no, no. I need to go eat. Okay. Sorry, uh, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, see ya. Good Thank talking you to you. Me too. I just have to go eat. I haven't eaten. I'll talk to you soon. Do you eat supper? I mean, breakfast? I am starving. Kelly, <laughs> Yeah, she's killing the gym, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um yeah that's that's awesome um i i wish i uh you know because i I was doing that for a while like uh like going to the very very strict about everything um but now it's just like i feel like there's so much going on yeah i mean it is important i and by i by no means am i it'd be fun just to really commit and go four months just like strict diet but something i i've always struggled with ups and downs ups and downs i got this i'm not sure do it. I don't know. Before I open it, I'm going to I, I honestly, I can't remember the lyrics that I used to, um, cause there was like, there was like one line or something that I always used to just like sing if somebody asked me to, and I can't remember it now. It was in college. <laughs> that okay. I well, I, do you have any, like, do you have any stuff on YouTube? I want to check this out. I didn't know you were such a performer. Um, you know what I did? I made a video on YouTube. It was not of like choir stuff. Um, nobody, nobody's found it. Uh, but it's mm. out there. That's funny. It's not great. Um, I'll, I'll find it somewhere because it, it's really it, it's not like in my range. But um, uh, you know there might be a there might be something on Facebook from like a concert that we did. I I went to the uh, this the like all state choir in Maine. Oh um, really? Mm-hmm. This isn't a hobby. This is serious. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like I just like I was a super super shy kid. But anytime I was in front of like a group of people or like a crowd, like I was like, yes, like I love this. Yeah, um, for sure. And that very much translates to the podcast. And uh, I've I've sort of I sort of talked to like Nicole about this, but like um, you know, I think that in in some ways, like I go to these events that like these live events, and I'll I'll meet somebody. And like, I, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to like disappoint them because they know like me on the podcast when I'm like performance Taryn, like extroverted yeah. Taryn. I'm mean, definitely sympathize with that. And, and people know Kevin as the Kevin on TV, you know, the large mm-hmm. portion of people who know who I am from the show, like there's a different side to me, man. I am very, very different in my everyday interactions. So, uh, yeah, I can sympathize with that. And you meet someone on the street, you feel like you have to be on and you have to feel, you have to be that extrovert and you know, it's not always what you want to do. Yeah, you never want like somebody to come away and be like, eh, yeah. You always want uh, you, you always want every interaction to be like superior and stand out. And, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of pressure sometimes. Yeah, because like, I, like, and because I've met people, um, like uh, I, I met Dan Geesling and he like uh, blew me away. It was like amazing, and I was like, yeah. this is this is why Dan is Dan. And then uh, that was at PAX, and I also met um, these people from Rooster Teeth. And, oh yeah, yeah, I love Rooster Teeth. Yeah, they're great. So I met I met Gavin uh, and and Michael and a few other people, um, and uh, like they were they were perfectly polite and normal, and like uh, we made a couple of jokes back and forth. But I came away like I messed it up. Like you know what I mean? Like uh, like that wasn't like the interaction I wanted. Yeah, and like I never want to give people that feeling. Um, not that I'm anywhere near I mean, their level, when, but. Like, after the show was over, did a couple of club appearances with Gary and Cindy and everyone. And like people go to the club to meet you. They mm-hmm. go to the club wanting that interaction. You know, like you have to give it to them. What else can you do? You just have to try to be on and give it to them. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Though. So the first, so Big Brother Canada season five wraps up and we do a club night. So it's, it's like you go from one extreme to the other of isolation. You don't interact with anyone. And within 24 hours, you are at a club packed and everyone is there to see you. It's like, 
it's like holy shit you just you're right back into the thick of things you know yeah From one one extreme to the other i like that though it's kind of fun you know it's like we like being d-list famous is is pretty good because i can yeah. go out and be in the spotlight a little bit if i want to it's d-list but at the same time if i go to the groceries i'm just getting lettuce by myself you know whereas <laughs> yeah. an a-list or like bieber or someone he's everywhere he goes there's that attention it's nice to be kind of famous in some area and then you can still have your own personal life yeah i mean like you can go on social media and post something and like you have thousands of followers and like you can like have a sort of a following there and you can just like step away from that anytime you want theoretically um oh and and then also the same thing with like events like you can go to events and like be recognized and be like with a bunch of fans or you can not go to those events and you'll be like ignored mostly yeah that's one thing I'm trying to, uh, with social media, it's such an interesting thing that, again, we are the guinea pigs with social media. We're the first generation, right? Like, how many hours have I spent on Instagram in the last year? 200, maybe. I don't I don't know. It's a lot. I just check. I just love it. I get lost in Instagram, right? Um, when was that? Like, is that really worthwhile time? How many moments is that? will that stand out? You know, if I'm on my deathbed, am I going to be like, God, I wish I spent more time on Instagram? Very <laughs> interesting. So social media, I'm trying to post back. I'm, I, I post less nowadays. Um, and I'm just trying to, you know, take those couple hours every day and, you know, maybe get a workout in or, or talk to a family member instead, you know, it's interesting. Like my, uh, we are really tuned in to have constant stimulation to our brain Mm. via phone, via everything. Like try sitting on your couch and just sitting for five minutes. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's really hard. Oh my God. That's as soon as like, dude, I watch survivor and it's on, it's on commercial. I'll go to Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Survivor's back on, on commercial, back to Twitter, show's over, Instagram, go to my computer. Like my brain is constantly, and that's why I think uh, like meditation is something I love doing it. I feel good, but it's so hard to like yeah. sit there and just close your eyes and just exist in a space for 15 or 20 minutes. It's really, really difficult. Our brain is like, give me something, give me something. It wants stimulation, 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 you know? Yeah. And I mean, if we're going to talk about like the drawbacks of what we were talking about before, I think that is one of them, like, I don't know if I, I was conditioned this way because I grew up in the time that I did or if it's something in particular about me. But, like, I just always need something. Like, if, if I, like, get up to go to the bathroom and I don't have, like, my phone, like, it's I'm wasting time. Even when I shower, I'll put a podcast on. Yes. Just so I have some sort of noise through the – when I fall asleep, I'll put a podcast on. Yep. My <laughs> brain is never chilling. It's, it's just, like, it's unbelievable. Now, when I go to the gym, I put, I don't take my phone anymore. I think that's a really good thing. I just have one hour solely workout, sweat, don't look at your phone. I really like that. But besides that, it's unbelievable. I'm conditioned, man. It's, my parents were, were very, so when I was a kid, we got a PlayStation. It was a big deal. Oh, man, the first generation PlayStation with Spider yeah. the Dragon, yes. Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> I actually want to go play some of those games again in the nostalgia. Uh, okay, remind me, we have to talk about speedrunning a little bit before we wrap this up. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. I can talk with you all day. This is a fantastic podcast. All right, so what I was saying that when I was growing up, my parents, it was like, you have to go outside, get away from the television. We didn't have phones, right? And uh, my parents, we had a currency in our house called PlayStation Time, right? So with us kids, every weekend, we would get one hour of PlayStation Time. You could play PlayStation for one hour. We would start a timer. You'd have to log how much time you play PlayStation. Really weird. No other family does this, right? (laughs) And if we wanted to earn our currency, which is PlayStation Time, like if I went and mowed the lawn, I would get 25 minutes of PlayStation Time. It was the currency that my parents dealt to us in order for like, we wanted to play video games, we would do chores, right? It was a hilarious system. I've never heard of anything like this in any other family. (laughs) 
And so, yeah, it's a one hour a weekend compared to every day you're awake. There's 24 hours. Like we're on our phones, on the computers. It's it's unbelievable, man. That meditation, that 20 minutes of escaping, going on a walk, breathing some fresh air, getting 20 minutes in the real world is just a rare thing that some people just don't get. Yeah. Um, but there's something to that getting out and like, that's not a, that's not a thing you look badly on. Like there was pain in the moment, but you achieved a goal and you pushed yourself and you, and you got out of the comfort zone. And like, sure, there's momentary pain in terms of if I want to do 30 pushups right now, my body's going to hurt, right? That result, you're going to tear the muscle, but there's something to feel that you just feel mm-hmm. alive. Like you're doing something. And that's why I just watched a documentary about CrossFit, by the way. I didn't know CrossFit was such a cult. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like a religion to these people. Yep. I was watching the, the top CrossFitters and it's their full-time job and their hands, they like, they're just disgusting skin peeling back and back and they're doing squats and they're doing chin-ups and they're pushing their body to an extreme. And it's just like, why are you doing that to themselves? But it's just a feeling that you get going out of your comfort zone. Um, all right. So you, uh, you mentioned speed running. What was, Oh, that's another thing of like, um, some of them start. So speed running, have you ever watched speed runs? Yeah. Well, actually I recently, uh, there's something called like the history of, I think, um, Dude, it's the YouTube channel. Um, yeah, yeah. Summoning many insults, or there's two of them now that it's, they it's post like, histories of speedruns. Yeah, like history, like world record history. Something. Progression, and they'll show like yes, what progression. Yeah, dude, it's an incredible YouTube I, channel. I, Fell down a wormhole one day. <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable. So basically, for those of you who don't know what speedrunning is, it's taking a video game and beating it as fast as possible. Going from start to finish, beating the final boss as quickly as possible. And people learn how to abuse the mechanics of the game, right? A game is set up. The programmers design a game because they want players to play a certain way. These people are so intelligent that they figure out how the game is programmed and they exploit it. Like, for example, like so let's say there's a wall. And Mario's not supposed to go through the wall until he collects 60 stars. These people will figure out how to abuse the mechanics and glitch their character through the wall to beat the game faster. It's fascinating. It's very, very competitive. I like watching it. Me and my buddy were just playing this new game, me and my buddy Ryan. It's called Overcooked. It's hilarious. You're little chefs. You chop onions. You make soup. You make burritos. And you try to serve food as fast as possible. It's hilarious, right? So we played this game for like 15 hours in two days. Just like it was just nonstop. We just loved it. And as soon as the game finished, we beat it. We're like, all right, what's the record? What's the speed run record? And we looked it up and it's not like many people don't speed run this game, but we're like, we can beat that. You know, we're going to speed run this. So yeah, starting in a couple of days, we're going to attempt to break the world record to beat this game as fast as possible. And there's like, it's almost, this game is, it, it'll probably be pretty easy. There's only a couple of records officially posted, but it's really cool, man. It's, it's one of those things where, again, I find it interesting thing how can i be the best how can i like set a record you know so that's going to be a fun little uh, thing to dive down the next couple of days and uh, we'll see maybe we'll speed run something else or who knows that that's awesome it's funny that you that you mentioned that because it, it it is very much like how you played big brother where it's like like because you mentioned like mario 64 like there were exploits that like nobody had like for like 20 years go by and then somebody finds something and then yeah. like uh, five years go by and then somebody finds something like in all of the time of big brother canada like you were you found the new exploit and they have to either patch that or or that's going to be the new way the new like uh meta to play the game very very well said and that's been the transition of poker like if you go back in 20 years there were certain fundamental rules to poker to how to play profitably and then people would 
figure out an exploit and then you'd have to change and adjust. And it's just like my mind is so fascinated by these concepts of competition and what people can push themselves to. And uh, yeah, speedrun is very cool because you can do it at home. You can you can play the game. So that's a fun little new hobby I've got going. Besides that, and, and again, cryptocurrency and investing is, is really kind of something I'm doing a lot of research about. Um, man, the fact that cryptocurrency is just so, so interesting. I, I got to talk about this. This is the most insane concept ever that has blown up. So for those who don't know what cryptocurrency is, let's say like we go back a long time, right? I am the butcher and you are the blacksmith. I give you a pig, you give me a sword, right? We trade merchandise for merchandise. Very easy, right? That's how trade works. That's how we progress as a society. All right, let's say I give you a pig. Oh, wait, you don't have a sword ready. You give me money. Money is the statement of like, oh, you owe me something. It is a form of currency in this paper, right? So I can use this money later to get a sword from you if I want. That's how we've progressed. Money is everywhere, right? But money is on paper. In a sense, when you have money, it is almost like the money is really not worth 20 bucks. It's just paper. It just represents $20. So we have faith in this system that there is some value in this. Boom. We are now in a cryptocurrency age where we want to get this faith in a system online, right? If you have a bank account or a credit card, it's basically a representation of paper money in real life. Cryptocurrency is the idea that we can now represent something online, which is very unique because when something's online, like a video or a book, you can copy and paste and the value is very limited, right? Because you have that uh, ability to reproduce it. With cryptocurrency, there is a finite member, number of Bitcoins. So there's a certain number of Bitcoins. If we as a human species take this as our new currency and say, this is worth certain amounts. All right, I have two Bitcoins. It's worth this amount. I can send you a Bitcoin whenever I want. It's easy. It doesn't have to go through a third-party software like a MasterCard or something where they take a percent. It's a fascinating idea that as a human race, we put our faith in paper money and we might transition it to an online currency. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll plummet and it'll die. And But it's, it's really, really cool to be in this first generation of the internet and, you know, potentially see this progress. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I've always kind of assumed that like whether it's Bitcoin or another form of it, like that is probably the direction that we're headed as a society in terms of like the new form of currency. For sure. Absolutely. And eventually, like maybe paper money will be obsolete or maybe, uh, you know, people are like we'll have the, a watch or a chip implanted in our arm. And, you know, you go to the grocery store, you scan your wrist, beep. You know, there's yeah. grocery stores now that you walk in and there's no more cash outs. Like you just take apples, you put in your cart and you leave. And then at the door, it scans and it knows you've taken a certain amount out. And then dude, it's it's really, really fascinating. And again, it's something I haven't dabbled in too much. And if you want to get into cryptocurrency yourself, by no means am I a financial advisor. Uh, you might lose a lot of money. You might make a lot of money. Who knows? <laughs> you got you got to do your research yourself. It's just interesting. Uh, you know, I'm so glad I'm alive in this generation, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I talk to people about this uh, a lot because like I'm very happy to be alive now, but then there are also moments where I'm like, man, I wish I was alive like, uh, you know, a hundred years from now because like, uh, there's this like inconvenience, uh, like, like the fact, like we have to wear clothes. Isn't that annoying? Like for temperature, like purposes, not just like yeah. for like, we have to wear clothes. Like we have to like bundle up to go outside. Like, isn't that annoying? Wouldn't you just like to wear clothes for fashion only? Like, because like in the future, there's going to be like, uh, you're going to get like an implant or there's going to be a gene manipulated and you're just going to like have like automatic temperature control wherever you go. And it's Amen, like, yeah. 
right? Like, how come I can't live then? Like, right? Like, <laughs> you know it's kind of depressing. We might be, we might be one of the last generations that never made it to like the, the, uh, you know, everlasting life state. You know? Yeah. I think about that yeah. a lot too. <laughs> we might be one of the last, we, there's going to be a coin. We're going to be one of the last people that actually die. Cause in the future, yep. we're going to be able to put our consciousness in a machine and continue living because our body's failing, man. Eventually our cells stop reproducing. Our heart starts working. Our organs start failing. Getting old sucks. It's yeah. sad. I mean, when you look at grandparents, it's like their independence. You start losing your mind. You start losing, like, getting old is not easy. But eventually we are going to have a better vessel. This human body, this, like, amazing mixture of skin, bones, this holds us together and it allows us. This is our vessel. We are able to gain consciousness through our body, right? But our body fails. Eventually we're going to be able to put our consciousness in a robot or a computer that doesn't die, that doesn't take time off. But we're not going to get there. I just don't think like our generation will be one of the last like Kevin Martin and Taryn yeah. Armstrong, will die, <laughs> but probably our like great grandchildren will live forever. You know, we're, we're just going to miss it. And that's actually such a depressing thought. It is like people are going to look back at us just like we look back at people like from the Middle Ages and be like, man, what it sucked to live then. Like, oh, uh... we're just going to miss it. dude. We're <laughs> I know. Just going to miss it. It's unbelievable. Oh. We're, we're close too. Yeah. I, I read about it all the time. There's there's a there's a private company I believe you can you can uh, you can freeze your body mm-hmm. and, and people have actually done this I don't know very many details I've thought about, about it, it. <laughs> you, can, you can actually so like you can actually get your body carbon frozen I don't know what the exact terminology is and then this company promises to bring you back in like 300 <laughs> years and like wake you up from this carbon freezing basically you can like hand solo yourself you know how it was hand solo guy right. and you can do that to yourself with the promise I mean it, it might be the stupidest thing ever but. Yeah, it's people, you know, if you can, if we can freeze ourselves, come back in 300 years, get our consciousness in that vessel, live forever, it might be worth a shot. As far as I'm concerned, the only downside is like, you know, maybe you get revived like in a thousand, in a couple thousand years and like, uh, it's like a matrix situation. You get used for a battery. You can't kill yourself anymore. And like, that would suck. Uh, oh, yeah. or like, it's like really expensive. You end up losing out in your actual life, taking a risk on this potential thing after your life. But, but still, I mean, if you've got the money, why not? Why not? Yeah, why, not sure. why not try? I mean, that's another interesting topic. So right now humans are at this level of intelligence. We're the top species. We're the top dog. We control the food mm. chain. We control everything. We are the, ah, no, nothing, no animal is close to as smart as the human species, right? But computers are slowly eking back up there, you know? Computers are now the smartest chess players in the world. They are the mm-hmm. best. No one, no, the best chess player, the best human chess players cannot beat the best computer chess players. Uh, the best computer poker players have now passed. This is very recent and very cool. So the last four years, there has been a, um, it's a university team in the, in the States that has been building a poker bot for No Limit Hold'em. And every year, the pros have, the humans have still been better. 2000, 2014, the humans won. 2015, the humans won. And there's these sessions, they do this. 2016, the computers finally won, and it wasn't even close. The computers smashed the humans in No Limit Texas Hold'em. First time in history that the best pros in the world and the human size got, they got wiped. These, they, they came out of there and they said it wasn't even close. This computer is by far the best poker player in the world, and it's not even close, right? And everything like that is happening. AI is raising at a, such a high level. What happens when computers finally eclipse humans? Are computers going to want to be like the dominant species? Are they still going to succumb? Or is there going to be a level of intelligence where we become, you know, the dominated species? It's, again, many science fiction novels have been written about this. But yeah, this is it's the a, shit that I wonder about late at night. Yes. I stay awake at four in the morning and say, 
what is going to happen? You know, what is going to happen? Yeah, that and Big Brother. Um, that and Big Brother, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you know, it, it all comes back to like uh, what we talked about, like with with poker, where it's like uh, it does annoy me to think about it. Like especially the especially the life like not dying thing, uh, <laughs> but you, you can't think about it. It's uh, you can only make the decisions that you can now. You yeah. can't think about the things that you can't have, um, and then uh, you know maybe I'll freeze myself. So, uh. <laughs> I, I remember hearing it's not that cheap. It's like forty thousand dollars to freeze yourself or something. Like yeah. maybe this guy's a sucker. Maybe it's just a total scam. He's just making a lot of money. He's just like he just knows <laughs> these people are never going to come back. You know. Well, our listeners, you heard that. Uh, go to harrys. dot com slash taren. Make sure I earn forty thousand dollars for Christmas. And if you guys never hear from me again, I am being carbon frozen in Norway. Planning to come back in the if, if you want, if you want these podcasts in a few hundred years from now, uh, yeah. you know what to do. So, <laughs> um, so uh, one one more thing before we go, just tell me about like uh, your day to day life streaming. Like, what is it like to be a yeah. streamer? It's it's a it's a grind, man. It's it's very uh, repetitive sometimes, and you have to create new ways to have fun with it. But I wake up, I try to work out, I try to eat healthy, but um, I log on, and for six to seven hours, I'm in front of the cameras, and we play poker. I try to explain my decisions. Um, some some days I talk about poker the whole time, and some days I'll talk about anything. You know, we make sports bets, I joke around, we have like contests, we do home games. It's uh, it's very very cool. You know, it is a very very fun job, and very blessed to do it. Being a streamer is uh, you have to be there, right? Because Twitch is live, you got to be there when you're live. Um, for YouTube, you can cut edit videos, you can post them in the future. Twitch, if you're not there, your audience suffers. And if you want to build up a lot of viewers, it's very momentum-based, right? Yeah. So, And there's a lot of pressure on playing poker, too. Because if you're deeper in a tournament, if you're winning money, more people are going to watch you, right? People want to watch a skilled player as well as an entertaining player. So um, I'm more on the entertaining side. My skill has been coming up. We've had some very good results last year. And, uh, yeah, if you want to check me out, come Twitch, Google Kevin Martin, Twitch poker. I should be the first link. And uh, we like to have a good time with it. Yeah. I've, I've spent, uh, a few nights staying up way later than I should, uh, cause I'm hooked to like, is he going to win this tournament? Dude, uh, my dude, you never comment. You just, you, you, I've never seen you comment in the chat. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I have. I'm not usually a commenter. You're just um, a lurker. I think a large percentage of people just watch Twitch and they don't actually, uh, they don't actually send messages. And the sad thing about tournament poker is usually you lose. Usually, yeah. you know, when there's a hundred people left, one person's gonna win. I don't think yeah, I've watched just, you win one yet. <laughs> tough man, it's a tough game out there. Yeah, it's fun. I, I post my results. Um, see, poker is very much break even, break even, break even. Maybe slightly lose, and then you have a big win. Oh, I just won seven thousand. Break even, break even, break even. And you can do that for months at an end. Um, yeah. Maybe you'll watch me win one day. Yeah. Uh, is there, is there like a, like a downside to street? Like, cause I, I know I've heard from yeah. some people that like, it can really be like, it can really wear on you having to do it so yes, often, sure. being in front of camera stuff like that. Very much like Big Brother, you're very vulnerable. It's not edited. People see it. People see you all the time. And when I'm not streaming, I think about streaming. I have, especially with Peely and stuff, I have to be very conscious of, like, I've streamed eight days in a row, nine days in a row. And from the moment I wake up, I'm planning my stream, streaming seven hours, go to bed, planning my stream. It's just, as an entrepreneur and as a Twitch streamer, you can work whenever you want. I don't have a nine to five. And often I drive myself on the over side of the spectrum. So for your, so I have to be very much like, oh, okay, Sunday, I'm not going to go on my computer. I'm going to spend all day with Peely. You know, I have to be very much of, this is work. This is my personal life. It does wear on you, man. And you see it. All the biggest Twitch streamers for poker, Jason Somerville, it burns out. I mean, he'll do like 80 days in a row. I don't know how he does it. Burns out. Jamie Staples does a lot in a row. Burns out. I do it. You have to, 
you have to make sure you're looking after your health, physical health, mental health, everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can relate for sure. Um, yeah. You know, like after I, after I how quit many, my. How many live feed hours have you watched of Big Brother? Like, I can't even imagine that <laughs> number, you know. Over like, the course of my life. I mean, it's probably astounding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, and then like, uh, you know, now that now I'm podcasting about it and I was podcasting about it every day. So like uh, the podcasting hours are creeping up too. Yeah. Who is your favorite uh, player from the States, by the way? Is it Dan? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it Will, then Dan, or, or Dan, then Will? It's, it's Dan, then Will. Everybody Dan knows. Will. Yeah. Hey, Dan, then Will. <laughs> you, you advocate that Dan is a better player than Will? I do, actually. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's hard to compare, yeah. really. Um, and they're probably team? really close. But I think based basically in every category, I look at Dan as probably being better. Yeah. Dan does his Twitch streaming, too. I don't know. Mm, yeah. I, never, I never seem to catch him live. I was like... I, he was one of the few that I, cause I, I was a lurker on his stream for a long time. Yeah. And then I started commenting. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a mod on his stream because like when I was working on uh, at my first job, he would stream in the mornings and I would just like watch and hang out every morning so at my fun. job. Um, so it was like, Hey, you want to uh, be a mod? Um, and now I, now I, you know, I, I don't do any moderation duties, but I still of have course. it. I've got, I've got the little sword. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna speed. I'm gonna I'm gonna stream some of my speed runs, which is different, right? Because I'm 90 percent poker. When I play poker, I'll average a thousand viewers, twelve hundred viewers. If I run deep in a tournament, I'll get up to two thousand viewers. Like there's a lot of people, right? When I play video games, I'll have a hundred, hundred twenty, mm-hmm. hundred fifty viewers. Um, but I enjoy that. You know, it's fun to, dude. I'm I'm gonna I want to beat this world record. I want to have a speed red record. That sounds so, fun. Yeah, and if we do, I might go back to some of those Spyro games. If I like people oh, speed yes. run Spyro games, some of those original PlayStation One Spyro games were just. I have so much nostalgia, mm-hmm. but to beat a world record of a speed run, you have to learn every optimal strategy. You have to pick up this yeah. gem and then you here and then you do like, it's, it's not a hobby, man. It's a tough game out there. Yeah. They, they don't, uh, I mean, I guess a lot of them do, a lot of them stream them, uh, themselves. So that's probably sure. a pretty popular thing, depending on the game you're playing. Uh, but, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check out, uh, what was it called? The, Oh, the game that it's called overcooked. Dude, overcooked. You would love it. It's, it's <laughs> hilarious. Dude. I honestly, if you have a friend, it's not very fun. One player gets, you can play up to four players. It's hilarious. So you like, you chop up the onions, you put them in the bowl and then you cook them. But if you leave it too long, it burns. And then like, it's just. It's just a very family-friendly but also competitive game. Yeah, it's really fun. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'll definitely uh, let you know when we uh, when we do another Secret Hitler. And uh, you, I think we're like you know we're thinking about doing like more of those kinds of things, like uh, and uh, you know trying to invite people to play. Like it, like wouldn't it be fun to just like every week you're gonna watch a game of a couple games of Secret Hitler with uh, you know Kevin Martin, Johnny Mac, uh, Rob <laughs> Sesternino, like uh, it'd be very fun. very fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely for sure. Get me on that invite list for sure. Dude, this has been one of my favorite podcasts. I like, I like the bouncing ideas. You know, some of them are too big brother heavy. I feel like we had a good balance and I, I really enjoyed myself. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's this podcast is whatever the guest brings to it. So Amazing. yeah. What um, number am I, by the way? Uh, you are 19. Ooh, 19. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that <laughs> a lot. So your your guests, I've seen you've had Netta on, you had Nicole Cesarino, mm-hmm. you've had a lot of lot of just uh, all Big Brother people. No, I, I mean I've had Survivor people. Um, nice. I've had like RHAP people, like other podcasters. Yeah, Jordan, um, on, I saw yeah. J- Jordan, uh, I had Matt Eisman, who is the host of American Ninja Warrior uh, nice. and winner big... of Celebrity Apprentice. Wow, that's a good gig, man. That's a big name. All right. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and maybe after a year or two, you'll we'll we'll catch up with uh, 
26 year old Kevin or something, you know, maybe I'll be yeah. number one. Team. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be awesome. I loved it. And uh, your career and future is as bright, a, bright as ever. It's been fun watching it develop over the last couple of years. Thank you. Yeah, it means a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I liked the, uh, the shout outs on the, the live feeds as well. Dude, I love you guys. I shout out to all you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I miss Jordan all the time. Of course. Yeah. 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 Still one of my good buddies. I tried to go visit him in Vancouver, but the roads were too bad. It was a little Ooh. bit dangerous with my Toyota 86. I just turned around to get home. It's too scary. <laughs> it's, it's not uh, not good in the uh, harsh weather? No. What's, what's the weather? What, what, why is the road dangerous? I mean, in Canada, Canada doesn't, doesn't mess around with Is it weather. already like icy? Like the sun, it is right now it's 4 p.m. The sun is setting. We're going to get about another hour of sunlight here in Canada, at least in Calgary. But shout out to human technology. I recently purchased an artificial sun. Oh. It's right in my face, right? I'll turn it on. It's on high right now. So it's not a normal light. What you're seeing right now on the screen, it's actually a light that emulates a sun. So I get the positive. I get the I get the rays. I get the sun benefits. Because here in Canada, the sun's only up in the harshest of winters. Like it's it's dark at 4 p.m. It's sometimes depressing. Seasonal affective disorder is a really, really big thing. People are more sad during the winter happier during the summer but now i have the fake sun in my living room i can turn my sun on whenever i want and you know get those benefits so i'm really enjoying it it was actually pretty cheap 180 bucks yeah i i uh i have like a wake-up light that's it's, i don't similar. think it's probably not as like high tech to like simulate the sun but it's meant to simulate like the sunrise um it's, it's it's seriously it's way better like than waking up to an alarm or anything like that oh, um the beep 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 beep, beep the harsh ugh, noise ugh, i hate it do you the hit the snooze button every morning i'm a snooze button addict i used to be i mean i, I was just really terrible at waking up um bef- and i'm just bad at sleep in general but um like i've I, I worked hard to regulate my sleep and then like uh traveling like being in reno and being up to like 5 a.m in reno and then coming back to the East Coast and like my, yeah. I just got really messed up. Fun, fun fact, the, uh, Joe Rogan just had a nutritionist on his podcast. This shocked me. So they were looking at the top three things involved with weight loss. Number one, diet. Makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Makes sense. If you eat a lot, you're going to get fat. If you don't, you're going to get skinny. Number two for sleep loss was not exercise or sorry. Number two for uh, weight loss was not exercise. It was sleep. They found that sleep had a bigger impact on your metabolism and your weight loss than exercise. Exercise oh, is number three in terms of losing weight. I couldn't believe it. Sleep just is the fundamental, man. It's it's so important. Another fun fact is like before going into Big Brother, I knew that sleep deprivation is a major thing people deal with. I didn't sleep mm. at all in season three. They control the lights. It's very bright. You're stressed. Your sleep is just totally... Uh, I actually went and got prescribed sleeping pills um, because I was like, this is an advantage. If I can take a pill and sleep whenever I want, I'm going to have a huge edge over my opponent's production. Didn't let me have them. I think there was two or three times they gave me a pill, but no. I also went and got prescribed for uh, uh, like like Adderall because mm-hmm. I wanted to, uh, to again, give myself an edge in certain competitions before. They just snapped, said no. Like, I, it was actual prescription. They're just, I mean, it makes sense. They don't want, you know, drugs running around the Big Brother Canada house. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun times, man. Big Brother to a T. If, if you're going on Big Brother, practice sleep, you know, take yeah. your plugs, get blindfolds, because the lights are so, so bright, and you're not allowed to nap during the day. It is the most sleep-deprived I've ever been in. It affects your complete cognition, and um, yeah, it's a big factor. If you can sleep in that house, you're definitely going to have an edge. What was the final thing I was going to say about Big Brother? It's slipping me. Maybe we'll save it for podcast 119 or something. <laughs> There's one other amazing point I wanted to make. Dang. I mean, dude, dream come true. We lived the dream in 2017. Yes, we did. It's great talking to you. This is awesome. I I had so much fun, honestly. I will. uh, This was one of my best favorite podcasts ever. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.
Uh, all right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I always always enjoy these. Uh, make sure you uh, comment about uh, why I shouldn't freeze myself. Um, and uh, <laughs> That's the best thing. We run so many rat rolls about speedrunning <laughs> cryptocurrency, freezing ourselves about how we're going to be the last generation to die. It's just incredible. <laughs> Yeah, what an, what, as Jeff Rose would say, what an emotional journey we went through. Uh, but you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at Armstrong Taren. You can find the podcast on iTunes, The Taren Show. Uh, I haven't said it in a while, but uh, don't forget to uh, give it a rating, a review on iTunes. It's very very helpful. Um, I uh, there's there's been so many people who've been kind enough to do that, and uh, it's it's very very awesome when you do. You can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the podcasts. And again, I really recommend that because uh, you're not going to know every person that I interview. You're, like, you're not going to know who they are. So uh, this gives you the option. This is what I do with Joe Rogan, WTF, Nerdist. I just subscribe to them and then I get the podcast in the feed. I'm like, am I interested in this person? Nah. And I just have it go away. You don't want to do that to my podcast. You do want to listen to all of them. But just in case you want to have the option, you got to make sure you're subscribed. Because um, otherwise you're, you're going to forget about it and then you're going you're to miss the Nicole Sustin. You know, you're going to miss Brent Part 2. Uh, it's, it's no good. Um, um, you can also find it on robhasawebsite.com. Uh, Kevin, you, I, you've, I think you mentioned your Twitch stream already, but like, tell, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, just Google Kevin Martin Twitch Poker, and it'll be the, the top link. We're at uh, 60,000 followers almost on Twitch. Almost, almost at 60,000. Yeah. yeah, and make sure you follow um, Peely on, on Instagram for That's that inspiration. Yeah, well, forget my Twitch. Go to Peely's Instagram. That's where you're going to get some incredible. She just did this professional photo shoot. I'm telling you, her abs are so defined. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, give her some give her some love for the fitness. Yes, uh, look at Peely's Instagram, get inspired, and then go act on it. And uh, there you go. Peely yeah. changed your life. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes, and of course, uh, don't forget to go to harrys.com slash Taryn for your free trial of Harry's razors. That's all we got for you. So thank you everyone for joining us. We'll see you next time. Much love. Taryn's asking questions. Taryn's finding out. Taryn's looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the Taryn's show. So you